Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Episode 5 of Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Damask Leary. And I'm Broderick Gordis. And today we'll be discussing Season 3 of the first show in our must-watch category, Breaking Bad. How are you, Bride? I'm very good, thank you. <laughs> You're a happy boy after watching Season 3? I have. I just, about 20 minutes ago, finished watching the last episode finally. Mm. I had a busy week, so it took me a little while to get there. But yep. yes, I am uh, excited. Good. I'm very happy. That's nice. I'm emotionally exhausted, but, sure. uh, you know, happy as well. All right. Spoiler warning time. On this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in the first three seasons of Breaking Bad. However, we will not be spoiling anything from future seasons because we haven't seen it. So if you haven't watched the first three seasons of Breaking Bad, pause the podcast, watch it, definitely watch it because it's amazing, and then come back and join us. Otherwise, proceed with caution. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. All right, so time for the breakdown. Season three is 13 episodes long, each coming in at around 47 minutes. So same as the previous season. And the full season took us 10 hours and 18 minutes to watch this time. Is that more or less than the last season? I think it was like more by seven minutes, I Ooh, think. So just a little bit longer. Mm. And every episode averaged around 1.5 million views per episode. Oh, so. it did? Mm. Okay, that's interesting. Be very interesting to look at those numbers. I looked ahead a little bit on this one. Yeah. About what those numbers become mm. during season four, and particularly during season five. Yeah, okay. Because the one Momentum point, builds, does it? From what I understand, I need to double check these numbers, so don't quote me on this, anybody. But um, going back... And looking at seasons one and two, it's been sitting around that one million-ish mark right. this entire time. So even into season three, if it's averaging about 1.5, then yeah, it hasn't really... It's sat there pretty much at, at that level this entire time. But I believe in the next two seasons, that really starts to take off for it. Ooh, all right. I just think that's People were catching on. Yeah, yeah. The, where the turning point was mm. where I think... Because it's interesting thinking back to it now. I'm trying to... How long ago was it that this show ended? I can't remember when it started now. The... The momentum of when people were really getting into Breaking yeah. Bad was... I, I feel it was almost post-Breaking Bad was when I, I knew I had to watch it when mm. people were really starting to tell me. Yeah, so it wasn't immediate. It didn't catch fire straight away. It's amazing when a show is given the room to grow mm. and then obviously word of mouth works and then you find your audience, which, you know, obviously a lot of shows aren't given that opportunity. Well, so it's very nice that this show was able to. That's the thing, yeah. If it mm. wasn't, you know completely blowing up it's great that it's been i mean 1.5 million views is not bad by any stretch i don't think although those metrics change all the time depending mm. on all sorts of different I things i think if it was on network that would be pretty dismal because it? it's cable yeah. that makes a bit different yeah. that's true mm. so time for the story so far i won't be refreshing you too much on what happened in the previous two seasons because i'm going to assume you've either watched them or you've listened to the 
podcast. Mm -hmm. So let's get into the story of season three. So shortly after the Wayfarer flight 515 disaster, two members of the Mexican cartel known as the Cousins drive into New Mexico illegally, leaving a wake of corpses as they hunt Heisenberg to avenge their cousin Tuco. The Cousins quickly learn from Uncle Theo that the man they want is Mr. Walter White. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, no. I'm just going to add suspense beats <laughs> all right, throughout. Yeah. Can is you just cool? put some sound effects throughout this? That'd be great. Sure. Thank you. Walter, meanwhile, has moved out of the family home. Skylar's now aware of Walt's new profession as a meth cook and promises not to tell of his illegal activity if he grants her a divorce. Walt, being Walt, of course, defies Skylar and decides to move back into the family home of his own accord and breaks in. Little does he know that Saul Goodman has instructed Mike, our good friend Mike, our resident strongman and career killer, to bug the White family home to keep an eye on Skylar to make sure she doesn't report Walt's illegal activities. In doing this, Mike is at the scene when the cousins track down Walt at the house. Walt, completely ignorant to the danger he is in, doesn't know that the cousins are patiently waiting for him to exit the shower and murder him with an axe. Mike calls his boss, Gus, to alert him of the danger and the cousins are called off before Walt can realise what is just about to occur. Okay, an axe to the head. So, <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Skylar, feeling powerless at Walt's intrusion into the family home, calls the police, but ultimately she can't bring herself to dob in her estranged husband and the father of her children. It's probably a mistake there, but anyway... Ah, oh, stupid Skylar. <laughs> Instead, she decides to get her own revenge by sleeping. I like there's a little editorialising going on this, in this recap. Yeah, that's how I roll. Um, instead, she decides to get her own revenge by sleeping with her boss, Ted. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> it's less dramatic, but I enjoy your enthusiasm. I'll try again. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> that's, that's much better. Jesse's now leaving rehab, labelling himself as a bad guy after feeling responsible for the death of his girlfriend, Jane. R.I.P. We miss you. Mm. This, of course, goes against Walt's own self-image when Gus Frink offers him a new cooking arrangement that will earn Walt $3 million for three months' work. While Jesse professes himself to, to be a bad guy, Walt tells Gus that he is, in fact, not a criminal. It's all lies. Jesse is back to cooking meth again and using this to force Walt's hand into also cooking again, Gus decides to purchase Jesse's product and give half of Jesse's money to Walt. When Walt goes to once again tell Gus that he isn't interested, Gus appeals to the scientist in Walt and shows him a state-of-the-art lab, which he is very excited about. Which I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's a beautiful I even lab. I, I've never done no good chemistry. <laughs> I was going to go into that. It looks cool. <laughs> Still not convinced, however, Gus appeals to Walt's manhood, which, you know, as we know, Walt, is it's going to work, mm-hmm. stating that it's a man's responsibility to provide for his family, whether they love, hate, or respect him for it. This, of course, works, and Walt is back in the game, and he has a new cooking assistant, Gail. Gail. The delightful Gail, and I there is a, sci- a scientific, yeah, a scientific bromance that develops, which I quite appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gus calls a meeting with the head of the cartel and the cousins, who, as we know, were trying to kill Walt, and makes it very clear that no one is to touch Walt until he no longer has any use for him. Knowing that the cousins may not follow the orders of their boss, Gus gives them the name of the DEA agent that killed Tuco. And who is that, you ask? Oh, that'd be Hank, <laughs> Walt's brother-in-law. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Keeping it in the family. I like it. All right, Hank is on the trail of Heisenberg after the blue meth re-emerges from a gas station attendant. He discovers the mobile cooking lab in the RV, the good old RV, and pursues it, now aware that the vehicle is owned by Mr. Jesse Pinkman. In order to save both himself and Jesse, Walt sends the RV to be destroyed. 
To distract Hank from being moments away from discovering the truth about his brother-in-law, Walt utilizes Saul Goodman to fabricate a story about Hank's wife, Marie, being in hospital. Hank leaves the scene without being any wiser to Walt's involvement and rushes to his wife's hospital bed. This, of course, is all a lie. Marie is fine, but the knowledge that Jesse Pinkman knows his personal phone number and worse, the name of his wife, Hank loses it. Suffering already from PTSD, he is sent into a rage and brutally assaults Jesse. Yeah, that was a pretty intense scene, that one. That was. All right. So, Jesse, furious at being hospitalized by Hank, is determined to destroy him through the courts. But in order to placate Jesse, Walt offers him a very lucrative position in his new state-of-the-art lab. Poor Gail is fired mm, as Walt's assistant. Bom, bom, bom. But Jesse's back in the fold. Bom, bom, bom. So, as a consequence of the assault, Hank is stripped of his gun and badge. Afterwards, he goes and buys his wife some flowers. Very sweet of him. And as he sits in the parking lot, he gets a mysterious call that informs him that two men are only one minute away from coming to kill him. Bum, bum, bum. In a brutal standoff and one of the most intense scenes this season has to offer, Hank crushes one of the cousins with his car, ouch, and then shoots the other right in the noggin. Hank, of course, is not unscathed by the attack. He's been shot several times and is rushed to hospital. Walt, being a pragmatic man himself, understands Gus's role in having the cousins killed and the cartel destroyed. He puts on the table a new deal with Gus, an open-ended arrangement valued at $15 million a year, and the guarantee that Walt's family will be safe. While in the hospital, two things happen. Gus appears and reveals to Walt that he knows of his association with the DEA and Hank. And Skylar, in a turn, concocts a lie to her family about Walt's newfound wealth, illegal gambling apparently, and offers to pay for Hank's rehab. Skylar no longer wants to be a passive participant in Walt's illegal activities, and instead also concocts a plan to buy the car wash that Walt once worked at in order to launder money back to the family. Walt is hesitant, but Skylar persists. Bum, bum, bum. What's <laughs> a bum, bum, bum? So much happens in this season. <laughs> I'm only reading it and I'm exhausted. <laughs> All right. Jesse, never being able to leave things well enough alone, decides that this deal is unfair to both Walt and himself and starts skimming the excess product to sell on the streets himself. No, Jesse, no. He doesn't want to be a factory worker. He wants to be a badass outlaw with no responsibilities despite his friends letting him know that, you know, Darth Vader had responsibilities. He's still a cool dude. Uh, In doing this, Jesse finds himself trying to sell his product at NA meetings where he meets a young woman who happens to be the older sister of the young boy that murdered Jesse's friend, Combo. Coincidental. Mm, What a twist. With the knowledge that his friend was killed by a gang that uses children as weapons, Jesse is enraged and determined to get justice, not only for his friend, but for the children who have been destroyed by the gang. Oh, he's so righteous. The gang, of course, is part of Gus's operation, and he will not allow them to be harmed. To placate Jesse, he orders the gang to stop using children. This, unfortunately, results in the young boy who murdered Combo to be killed himself. Jesse plans to murder the men he has been explicitly told by Gus not to kill. And to save Jesse, Walt runs the men down with his car, shoots one in the head, and then tells Jesse very dramatically to run. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Gus cannot tolerate the insubordination and orders Mike to hunt Jesse down. Walt, however, is back to working in the lab alongside his old lab assistant and good pal, Gail. Yay! <laughs> Gail has been instructed to learn everything he can from Walt so that when he dies, Gail can take his place as head cook. 
Walt, being the smart man he is, understands the new dynamic and is scrambling, alongside both Jesse and Saul Goodman, to find a way out of their predicament, which will no doubt end in both of them being killed. Gail must die. Mm. Jesse can't do it, of course, because he's, he's our beloved Jesse. He doesn't have what it takes to kill a man in cold blood. And so, Walt steps up to do what needs to be done. But, as things happen in this show, um, before it all can be played out, Walt is grabbed and Mike is on the scene to kill Walt. Using the last hand he has, Walt calls Jesse and instructs him to kill Gail, making Walt an asset to Gus that can't be so easily disposed of. And so, Jesse scrambles to Gail's home and holds him at gunpoint. Gail pleads for his life, and Jesse, doing the very thing that he said he couldn't do, is forced to pull the trigger in order to save the man who had saved him. Bum, bum, bum. And that's season three of Breaking Bad. Thank you, everyone. Good night. We'll see you next week. Bye. All right, so, general thoughts. How would you feel about this season? Very, very good. Very, I feel very good about this season. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I, uh, it feels it's talking about it. You start describing episode one, it's like that happened this season. It feels yeah. like such a long time ago. Well, when I was writing my notes for you know episode 11, 12, 13, and I was trying to think of like the character progression mm. from like episode one, two, three, so on. I couldn't remember them because it felt like it happened so long ago. It did feel like ages ago. And, and I marathoned this over two days. It's not like I watched it like throughout the week. Yeah. I just couldn't remember because so much had happened. Yeah. I did I did have a bit of a break in between sort of the two halves, but mm. I was the same way. I just, I, 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 yeah, it shouldn't be like that. It should be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember having that problem in season, season two, for instance. Yeah, no. So whatever season one, just like so much has happened. Mm. And, you know, generally all good. I loved where this season went overall. I loved where it went. Um, took the potential of the last season, though criticism number one. While we're just while we're here, mm. um, already okay, get wh- into it. <laughs> yeah, the the plane stuff didn't really pay off in any satisfying way at no, all. No, it didn't. It um it acted as a little bit of background guilt, maybe. Yeah. It sort of it um contextualized some stuff that's happening here, but it, I feel yeah. like like by the second half of the season. I'd forgotten about it. and It didn't yeah. really play into it. Unless I'm forgetting something crucial that came from well, that. Well, I... Because, yeah, when the first few episodes were, you know, unfolding before me and I well, yeah, was thinking about our last discussion about Breaking Bad and what would happen with the plane. Mm. I can't remember if it was episode one or... It was one of the early episodes in which Walt gets pulled over by a police officer. Yeah. His windscreen is broken. Yeah. And he loses it and talks about being a victim of, you know, the plane crash and that kind of thing. But other than that... I can't really think because they of did the how thing. Do it you, affected anyone. Do you remember they did the thing with the he found the very start of the season? He I think he's going to burn the money. So the first shot almost. Of the oh season. my god! I forgot about. I thought that was last season. No, yeah. that was this season. And <laughs> yeah. Walt puts the some yeah. of the cash he's got into the barbecue and starts loving fire and then dumps in the in the pool. Then takes it out and he gets all that the money out and finds the eye ball from the That's right. from the teddy bear yeah and he takes it and like puts it in his pocket and then later it ends up underneath his bed and his little apartment he's staying at mm. i can't remember i think oh that's right the he puts it it ends up in his suitcase yeah, and, takes the cousins it him, look and the it. cousins look at it and then yeah. throw it back on he re- he i think he sort of notices that it moved a little bit mm. and that, i think that's the last time we saw it 
I think so too. I have no idea what that is now. I don't know what the symbolism is there. Maybe I miss. I don't know. I really don't know. I wondered if it was something they've dropped. It. But then I think about all the things that I feel like have been dropped in the past that end up coming back. Mm. He's like, is that coming back <laughs> in like the last episode of season five is going to be like the big whole suspense thing was yeah. this eyeball was significant for some reason. The anyway. bear did it. The, the bear, bear did, did everything. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a twist. All right. So ready to have a real in-depth discussion sure, about this sure. season. All right, so now for this episode, we probably won't be going through this episode by episode, hence the rundown that we just did. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to start us off with some things that are brought up in the very first episode of this season. Mm-hmm. And I think they're themes that return throughout the season. Um, and that's facing your actions or running from them. And these two two choices uh, faced up against each other and what those mean for each character. Sure. And how your actions define you or whether you let them define you at all. And I think Jesse and Hank are... Jesse and Walt? Sorry. <laughs> We're yes. still doing that. That's it's good. It's still happening. It'll, it's going to happen every goddamn episode. We're going to get to the last bit of the last <laughs> episode of this and just be like, still doing it. And that's how Hank died. Yeah. Walt. Walt. Oh. oh that, no, that ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Jesse's counsellor at rehab says that, you know, self-hatred and guilt get in the way of growth. And I think that's where... Walt stands and he kind of expresses that when he's addressing the school assembly about sure. the thing, about the plane crash. And he's talking that's back about in season two. The the school assembly bit. Oh no, that's you're right. No, it's this oh season. my god, so yeah. much happened. I was like, if it happened in season two, I don't that think I'd remember sense. it. But yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he and he's just talking about how, you know, worse things happen and people move forward and you just keep going and you just keep existing. And I think that is very much how Walt exists. Well, it's it's certainly oh yeah. I mean that that's a really interesting scene. That one just mm. showing how I, th- I think I wrote in my notes. He has a way. I don't know. He he's asked them to be some sort of emotional support. So give some sort of support to these kids who are struggling mm, with the yeah. the result of this plane crash and all these people that died or whatever. And he completely goes I don't know off the rails trying to rationalize things and put in metrics and numbers and stuff like that. And he does that again later in the season. He has another moment like that mm. when after Hank has been shot where they're sitting around in the cafeteria talking about things and he starts talking about how he survived the hospital. But it, yeah. he starts talking about like the traffic lights yeah. and stuff like that. And it was just like, everyone's looking at him going, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and like, he's <laughs> so disconnected yeah, from the emotional yeah. side of these things. Uh, well, that's him. Like he tries to rationalize things. And we see that in quite a few episodes, particularly in, in you know, the fly and that kind of thing, how he just tries to figure out a formula yes. for absolutely everything and not really delving into the emotions mm-hmm. behind it or his own personal emotional responsibility in certain situations. And I think that's quite different to how Jesse obviously approaches and handles Completely things throughout the season. E- everything is, is, yeah, rationality is not his no. main motivator at all. Yeah, everything is done through emotion, the change he makes at the start of the season, the things he does towards the end of the season that involve... Mm. He obviously has a weakness for children, it seems. Yes. You, we introduced to... Brock, and so we see again, we're reminded of the scene, all of a sudden, my least favourite episode of season two, has slightly more impact because when he was looking after that kid of the two burnouts, Mm -hmm. it was a little bit of an introduction into Jesse's 
weakness or softness yeah. with kids. Why do you think he does have a softness for kids? I don't know. It's not explained, but I'm wondering whether we might find that out at some stage, yeah. whether we might see a scene between him and his little brother from a flashback at some stage, yeah. because this show is getting really good at that too. Mm. We'll come back to the whole flashback <laughs> thing later. But like, we may end up finding that out. But yeah. the show wants us to mm. understand that, that yeah. he does have a weakness for I children. I kept flip-flopping between the idea that Jesse has such an affinity for children. One, because of his little brother mm-hmm. and his connection there. And also just because he is a big kid. And I think sure. he can identify with children maybe. I'm not sure. I'm, I would love to get and a little he- bit more information as to why exactly. But that's just yeah, kind of some of the ideas I had about that. Because yeah, it's very clear particularly in this season that that is a big part of his personality part of his character absolutely and it's a huge driving force towards Mm -hmm. the end of the season what takes place there and then on the flip side that the other that in similar vein obviously his reaction to what happened with jane and i think Mm. when you're talking about facing your actions and the consequences thereof versus running away from them what's Mm. really interesting about if jesse is facing his and trying to deal with them to some degree head on and make change or or facilitate change in other people or, you know, stop bad things from happening. And Walt just deals with it and rationalizes them. The the mm. poetic irony is that Jesse thinks he's responsible for Jane's death to yeah. some degree. Mm. And Walt actually is, but isn't affected by that decision yeah. at all. It's almost as if Walt doesn't give any moment of pause to actually reflect on that. And we see that in the way that he approaches Skylar and his family, in which... The consequences of his action is that he's no longer allowed to be part of the family. Mm-hmm. He completely ignores that and bulldozes his way yeah. into the family. He's not interested in talking about feelings or personal responsibility or any of that. Mm-hmm. He knows what he wants. He rationalizes why he is allowed to want it and mm-hmm. why he's allowed to have it mm-hmm. and just goes ahead and does it. Whereas I think a lot of this season is Jesse reflects, he decides who he is. He tries to be that. Yeah. Something happens. He reflects again and then he tries to be that. Mm-hmm. So I think when he's in re- when Jesse's in rehab and he's talking about uh, Woodshop, I think. Yeah. And he's talking about how when he really applies himself and he has the ability to do and create beautiful things, which is great, but ultimately he knows he always betrays himself. Yeah. And I think that's how he, he, view- he views his character. He yeah. views himself. And I think it's just a perfect little story to demonstrate why he does the things he does. Because he, he, he has moments where he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to be this big badass. I'm going to do these big things. You know, I've got everything in control. And he's got ability. He's he, got that's talent. The thing, and that's the perf- what this story is telling us, yeah. that he has the talent, but he always betrays himself. And then it sets him back to a restart. Mm-hmm. And then he has a bit of reflection and then just continues the same cycle. Whereas Walt is all, all about moving forward. Don't stop. Don't think. Just move forward. Well, the the difference being the start of this season where Walt, while he has rationalised his actions when it comes to Jane, mm. he has finally decided that he's going to... He's put a pin in the whole idea that he's going to keep making Yeah, that. he's not going to be a criminal anymore. And he really... He says to Gus. Like, I was surprised how many times he did say no. Say no, yeah. He kept saying no and I was waiting for that moment where he turned around. It eventually came mm. and it and it came it had to be some pretty expert seduction from Gus yeah. by taking him down into this, you know, Beautiful, secret lair. Christine. Just to go with mm. the whole becoming a supervillain thing yeah. we've been saying. He found we got his secret lair hidden in, underneath a 
uh, a laundromat. <laughs> That's very cool. And it was very cool. Mm. And then like the music that plays is like quiet and seductive. Yeah. And it's like you can see Walt's eyes lighting up as mm. he's sort of seeing the potential in this place for him to express himself and you know, do his work and be better than it's ever been before and mm. um, and be seduced by that. But it, but he did actively try, I think. Yeah, he did. He did try. But I think his rationality, good or bad, sometimes makes him do questionable things. Sure, oh, definitely. And that's <laughs> one of those instances. Because, yeah, it, it wasn't just the lab. It was he said no after the lab and then it was... What was Actually, the moment he t- decided to do it was when Skylar came ho- home and told him that she'd been fucking her boss. Mm. And that's... Th- that's right. Yeah, that's right. And then Gus has gives him that little manhood speech. Was that before or after? No, so that, they're in the lab and he has the, the speech the, uh, yeah, about I've, manhood and what it means to be a man. To, what, what does a man do? A man provides for his family. Yeah. And we, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. I've I, I got to say, I'm Whether very... Whether they I'm, love him or hate him or I'm whatever. I'm very proud that we've been able to keep up with the thesis of this show, i got to say. Because when mm. they start saying things as obvious as, what does a man do? Yeah. A man does this. And this idea of what it means to be a man. Mm. Um, and it, it's getting pretty on the nose at that point. But, you know, <laughs> maybe... Yeah, but, but still, like... It, I can see it working and yes. what Gus was saying was great. Yeah, that was the thing I think that was... Um, yeah. That's, that's so the then, message he got that yeah. he held on to. He still said no, he held on yeah. to that. And then and once then Skylar, Skylar betrays yeah. him like that... Um, he, and it, that was his thing. It's like, yeah, you know what? I don't have to be welcome in this home. I don't have to be loved. You don't have to do any of that. But this is my home and this yeah. is my family and I'm going to provide for you no matter what. So, yeah. Good old... <laughs> I was about to say Hank, but it's Walt. Well, the only other thing I was going to suggest mm. was when it comes to... We're talking about how he rationalizes things, though. Mm. The only thing with Walt that I... The only question I have is how does he rationalize Jesse? He sticks his neck out for Jesse. He's the one thing... Apart from... I don't know, the way he positions his family, I guess. Although he rationalizes that even, I guess, when you start talking about providing, right? But mm. it, it, Jesse's the one thing that's not rational. Because yeah. Jesse... Always is the element that fucks yeah. his situation up. He had Gail. Gail, as much as he wasn't, I don't know, maybe you found him irritating. You were saying they had a bit of a bromance. It started that way. But yeah. Then, but even before... Uh, well, I think Gail is the flip side of Walt. Gail was, when Walt first got into the business, what he expected himself to be in that situation. Sure. He's a pure idealist scientist. He's just cooking something really beautiful and good yep. and it's keeping himself clean so gail is just like the pure form of walt yeah so they obviously connected on the science but something and i think walt realizes that something like that can't really exist in this world and kind of doesn't need to sure Gail doesn't need to be there so i think that's how he justifies the murder of gail yeah well no but even just just the firing of Gail, right? And bringing Jesse oh, yes, yes, into yes. that, right? Mm. It's like, yeah, at that point he's disconnected from Gail. He's yeah. putting his own neck and Jesse's neck ahead mm. of Gail's. But my, I don't know. It just keeps coming back to the question of what is it about Jesse? It's the same, the rationalization of him running two men over to yeah. save Jesse. It's like at some point, the rational side of Walt should be, he's too far gone and it's going to affect me far too much. Mm. And for a, for a moment at the end, because the way that um, Walt gets out of the situation with Mike, where Mike's going to kill him, mm. is that he offers Jesse up. Yeah. And 
I wasn't sure whether which way that was going to go, but it could have been the yeah, moment. Yeah, I was like, it, no, Walt, no, what are you doing? But it yeah. would have been in character for him to finally yes. and completely cornered turn all his cards mm-hmm. over and just go, no, I, that, that's it. I've got to put myself first. Jesse yeah. can be sold out here. Yeah. But he still doesn't. Yeah, well, I think, and I, this is why I really enjoy the episode of The Fly. Is because just fly. Sorry, just fly. I only say that because the fly is a great movie. I and... haven't seen it. I really need to oh, see it. Oh, yeah, you need to do that. It's Jeff Goldblum, right? Jeff Goldblum yep. and Gina Davis. Gina oh, Davis. Is is ex- yeah, that's what I keep hearing. Is that she hot. will blow my mind? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um. Yeah. In Fly, and I think it's a really important episode for when we go into the next few episodes where we see Walt kind of waver from what we know him to be, which is a completely rational kind mm-hmm. of man who would just throw Jesse to the wolves. That makes sense for him to do that. But I think in Fly, we see that Jesse helps Walt keep a hold of that small sliver of conscience that he still has when he's in that meth world. We see that he does have a conscience when it comes to what happened with Jane. He does feel, he can't admit it, openly obviously but he does feel bad and there is he does feel something owed there and i think through what we see in fly we can then justify what he goes to do for jesse in the following episodes right okay that's interesting yeah i can i can sort of see that so he keeps jesse around he's an imperfect or even a bad assistant compared to others yeah. But unlike the other people in this world, whether we're talking about Mike or mm. Saul or Gus or even Gail, yeah. has a, a conscience, is a reminder of that. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a reminder of his humanity. It's Sure. He Walt and Jesse Is they, it the, is it the innocence? Is it the I think it's cause he's a still, combination of Innocence and feeling like he has something to teach Jesse and sure. he's a guiding light for Jesse. And, and there his is responsibility. In yeah, that I, I think okay. it's a, a paternal maybe aspect sure. of that. Yeah. And if he is able to hold on to that, he won't completely be a monster. Correct me if I'm wrong. Jesse hasn't, and I, I think it's actually explicitly stated, Jesse has not killed anyone at this stage, has he? And he, I can't remember whether he was the one, one of the people that shot Tuka, but ultimately it was Hank, I so think it didn't he sh- matter. Yeah, I think he shot Tuka in the shoulder complete self-defense or, or whatever it was. Yeah. And then it ended up being Hank that killed him anyway, so it mm. didn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but that's obviously the big ending to this season, is that yeah. if he shot Gale, which it certainly looks like he has, then Jesse is crossing a line there mm. of innocence. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, it's almost as if Walt is holding on to this person that represents his humanity yeah. in this world yeah. and in and in holding on to Jesse Jesse has to remove his own humanity yeah. which is kind of this awful kind of dichotomy that exists between them I'll be interested to see yeah well, I mean that is going to set up so many interesting factors into the next season I guess mm. oh god I can't wait my head is season. spinning <laughs> just trying to think about it you know, I, I watched the last I think four episodes last night mm-hmm and I was just, like, I was shaking. I had so much adrenaline pumping through my you body. You came, like, and- jumping around in my room just seeing oh. what I was up to. You were so happy when you finished. Well, no, you, well- were, you were downstairs and I came down like, what are you up to? And you were nowhere near where I needed you to be. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because I just needed to talk to someone about it because there was, like, so-, so many thoughts running through my head about why what happened happened. And, I like, even now I've got all these notes and stuff. It's still not clear. I think I- it needs a, a rewatch. 
you need to think about it a little bit more. Sure. But yeah, why what happened happened, the motivations of all the players and just... Is there anything there that doesn't feel true, that doesn't feel, that feels forced or feels... No, it just feels complex. I was going to say, at times it feels mechanical, I would Mm. say. There are a few things where it's like, this has to happen, so this has to happen, so this has to happen, so this has to happen, to get us to where we really need to be. Mm. But I wouldn't say it's ever, it's always done skillfully. It doesn't feel contrived, I don't think. And that's the thing. While it might, maybe just the way of having to fit this into a 45-minute episode and Mm. get it done and like the limitations of the medium. Yeah. Um, even it's th- almost as if it's a Greek myth in which, you know, the gods obviously play their part and so it feels structured. But sure. even though the gods are putting all the pieces on the table, even the choices that like the mere mortals make, yeah. it feels like they were always meant to make those choices. And so and they always that, make sense. Yeah, and in that way it feels organic. Sure. God, this season was good. <laughs> <laughs> so- Oh, I'm just yeah, so many thoughts on it that I it's kind of hard to condense them. It is, yeah. My my, I I've got very few negative thoughts, mm. and negative and the criticisms often help me to crystallize the positives as yes. well. Yeah. And it's interesting trying to like think through the season, even remember again. We talked about how much happens in this season, even mm. listening through that rundown. I'm still putting it all together. Yeah, and just it was. It had so much momentum. It had so much. All of the characters. Well, the main characters anyway had interesting stuff. I really want to talk about Hank, and I do meet Hank, mm-hmm. and his storyline <laughs> and how amazingly well mm. the setup in season one, the vulnerable side of him, that yeah. um, sort of vulnerable masculinity and that PTSD mm. stuff that we talked about in season two, built into this season was explored so well. The scenes between... Yeah, well, let, let's talk about Ray, it. Let's do it. Let's yep. do it. The scenes between... So, so ultimately... He is being asked to go back to Texas, yep. which he doesn't want. El Paso, want. is that right? El Paso, yeah. very good. Um, to go back to the place where he had the car explosion. Oh, no, sorry. The, there was the tor- tortoise, tor- tortoise, wasn't it? Tortuga. Tortuga. Tortuga yeah. uh, blew up and either killed or at least hurt a bunch of other DA agents. Mm-hmm. And he was suffering from the PTSD of that and yep. also from killing Tuco in season two. And being asked to go back there is rationalizing mm. his just to go back there again rationalizing that he needs to be still in albuquerque yes to he's got to hunt down heisenberg hunt, hunt down that heisenberg. blue meth is back that yep. blue meth is back and and using that as an excuse to not go back to mm. the place that he's so scared of going yeah. back to and seeing oh, i don't know just I don't, I don't even know the actor's name but oh, me either. I need to look I'm, that I'm up. I'm going to look that up now. He has been incredible. To go yes. from that character in season one who I just... Oh, I hate mm. that he plays this caricature. Yeah, and I think... To showing real vulnerability well, that's so the believably. The beauty of this show is a lot of it is just... It's all about masks. And yeah. a lot of the characters just have, you know, masks for different scenarios. Totally. And I think Some oftentimes... Because, like, yeah, Walt is such a wonderful example of masks that sometimes we forget how great Hank is at having his own mask. Sure. And then, yeah, and then obviously we see his vulnerable side, you know, in the elevator last season. And once again, the elevator this season, was which re- was... That was a really great returning to that moment. It was a great moment. callback. It was Unlike fantastic. Dead Like Me, when they go back to something and they fuck it and kill it the second time around. Like that scene with the... Yeah, they the didn't have any crossfades in the elevator oh. scene. Yeah. But that it was beautiful. They didn't even need to... Sh- they, like, it, it wasn't... It was just doors closed, 
He's crying on Marie's shoulder. Mm, Doors great. open, they're fine again. And you know because you the because it doesn't treat you like a dummy mm-hmm. that you will get that connection yes. to the f- second yeah. season. Uh, the actor's name is Dean Norris. Dean Norris. Well done, sir. <laughs> well done, sir. I tip my hat at yeah. thee. At yeah. thee. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, no, he he was fantastic. And then yeah, all I think about that scene in the elevator with Marie. I think about the, the scene with him sitting on the bed with Marie. I think mm. they're having a big talk as well. The scene where he's in the shower and she's just asking how he is and he's. You're telling well, I mean, her to was, get off his back. And... Yeah, that was a perfect example of because yeah, season two when he's we see the elevator doors close and he's behind the curtain and we we as audience mm-hmm. are allowed to see it, and then the door opens and he's fine again. Mm-hmm. I think that was just another perfect example of that of behind the curtain. You know, he's naked, he's vulnerable, he's wet, he's in the shower, and he's leaning up against the wall because he needs support. Yeah, and just on the other side is Marie, and he just refuses to like let her see behind the curtain at all yeah and then yeah luckily we she does she does get entry to seeing like his true vulnerability which is nice she does and she does when he finally lets someone else in he starts to you know he this vulnerable side stops coming out in such a negative way he's able Mm. to make some better choices he chooses to to not lie about what went down with jesse instead Mm -hmm. he beat him to a pulp yeah. on his own doorstep that Jesse didn't yeah, provoke him in any way. Yeah, he's able to say, I'm meant to be better than this. This is not who I am and take responsibility. Yeah, Take responsibility. He puts down the gun. He puts down the badge. He's obviously upset about that, but maybe a bit relieved. Mm. He then finds out that it's unlikely Jesse's going to actually take him to court, which he gets really relieved about, yeah. at which point I went, oh, fuck, you're going to die. <laughs> like, as soon as he started yeah. to relieve and I saw him with yeah. the flowers in his hand, I was like, Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. Shit. <laughs> this is it. This is the last episode with Hank in it, isn't yeah. it? Um, Which would have been awful that, like, once he becomes truly vulnerable, that, that he gets killed. It's one so of I'm things, glad he didn't die. Well, uh, so am I, because I think there's still so much great yes. stuff to explore here. And what they've done with him is just, I think it's the surface. It's the start of a bigger story with him. He's mm-hmm. currently in a situation where he, he's unable to walk. He's going through physical therapy to try and yeah. to, to start walking again. And his struggles there are going to be interesting. And it's given Marie so much more to do. Marie's actually a human being mm, this season. I mean... It's disappointing it has to come at the expense of her own story. It's her husband's story that she is well, being that's, I mean, for. I think that's a fair criticism of the show in which... And I understand all the men happen to be. No, I don't... It doesn't just happen, this kind of thing. Mm. But they happen to be all men. And so the side characters... When they're women, their stories are completely based around, sadly, what their husbands are doing. Sure, yeah. And usually just reactionary to that. So that that's unfortunate. I was happy to see more of Marie. I found the scenes in the hospital where she's kind of like the hysterical wife who's just kind of yelling at people and like, you know. Yeah. yeah. I've, 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 I mean, I've seen that before. I don't think it's... Because this show does such... Great things with character. Yeah. And I kind of feel, I mean, particularly with Marie, that just kind of falls flat. As the season went on, though, and he's really struggling with his, like, he's got lost all optimism, basically. Mm. He's lost all sort of hope there. Yeah. And she's really trying to be the a positive force yeah. there. Um, Pain is just weakness leaving your body, or whatever she says. Or even the final scene, I think we see with both of them for the season where he... She gives him a handjob? Yeah, and she makes a bet with him <laughs> that if she can get the... Yeah. The... Would you say the groundhog to see his shadow? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want, I want more of that. Absolutely. So and if I see more of that next season, it'll be make me very. I'm happy. willing to trust the show that it might give us that. And I was happy to see. 
I yeah, I don't know. These these writers seem to be very aware of of the show, of the mm. story, and what's working and what's not. Yes. Um, I think there's a good example of that when we do talk about Fly a little bit later mm-hmm. and some of the the big sort of the, thematic points of that yeah. episode. That the show does a very aware mm. and willing to um, take on criticism or look at their own stuff and criticize and improve upon it where possible. Yes. And so I trust them that they might do mm. that. Well, I hope that they do and trust that there's a good chance that they will improve yeah. Marie's stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think just going back to that Hank stuff, that, yeah, yeah that moment um, where he walks out and then mm. we, uh, I, I was just like, I, the, what I was trying to get to, I think, is that where this show is good is that it would actually be a very strong beat to have Hank die. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. There would be oh, a, you'd, yeah, it definitely hit you as an audience member. It yeah. would be huge. And mm-hmm. it could do a lot story-wise as well. What, mm-hmm. it, what it motivates other characters to do, how Skylar sees Walt, blah, 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 blah. You could do a million things there. Yeah. But I also like this This show tends to have a really good way of swerving just off the expectation. Mm-hmm. Just when I think I know what the show's about to do, it swerves left That's just a tiny a bit. a constant tool of this show and it yeah. works and again, pretty much every time that I can recall. It works really, really well yeah. when they do it. Yeah. And it's really, really smart writing mm. where they can see, they can see, I think it's obvious that this would be a strong play, mm. but this would be more interesting if we just divert slightly from here. Yeah. It's not exactly the way we expect this to go. Mm. Um, I'd have to respect that. Sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when I finished the season last night, I was just like, I was so in awe of the craft that I had just seen writing wise. I was just like, oh my God, that yeah. I, I just had to like sit down and, and write myself and the stuff I write is nothing like Breaking Bad. I tend to write comedy stuff, but I was just like so inspired by like how fucking good they are at yeah. their jobs. It, yeah. Blew my mind. Um, another topic I want to bring up um, is that. Obviously, last time we spoke about coincidence quite think, a bit. I think this is a perfect time. I think oh, yeah. I feel like I want to talk about Fly and what's yep. going on there now because I think everything we've just discussed in the last two minutes relates back to that too. Absolutely. So go on. Um, yeah, so we spoke about coincidence and it, yeah, it was particularly important to you. Um, so the idea or function in the story of coincidence um, and they definitely acknowledge that this season in particularly in the fl- – oh, sorry, Fly, no the. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that? It's – yeah, well, yeah, okay. So that's a really interesting episode. Fly is essentially bottle episode 2.0. It's four four days out, mm-hmm. um, but this is another version of that. Again, it's Jesse and Walt basically stuck in a lab. They find a way to put those two in one location and have them butt against each other. But it's a very different scenario this time around. There's no immediate danger. In fact, mm. the the conflict that there there is completely... It seems minuscule. Yes. Walt has become obsessed with killing this fly that he's worried is going to contaminate the batch. <laughs> and Jesse's mm-hmm. trying to deal with whatever the hell thing is going on with Walt at this moment. Yeah. And in doing that, the sh- this episode really shines when it gets to a scene about halfway to three quarters in where Walt starts to ruminate about trying to figure out what the perfect time was that he should have died. He mm. feels that he has sort of missed the best opportunity where he would need to make enough money to support his family but needed to die before Skylar ever found yeah. out about what he did. Yeah, and he's rationalising his own death, his own existence, the right. choices he's made, yeah. Yeah, um, which is a great scene just about sort of just looking back on what story and where it's, gone, where it's been and where it's going, mm-hmm. basically, Yeah, um, which is really great. But then also starts to reflect on 
the odds of the exact moment that I mentioned in our last season mm. where he ends yeah. up in a bar talking to Jane's father on the night of her of her death. Mm-hmm. And just how absurdly coincidental that moment was. <laughs> yeah. And in doing so, literally lays it out. Like, what are the odds that I would walk into... I'd never go to a bar and have a drink. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that I would choose to... On the night that I probably should have died, yeah. in his mind, which is a, a fantastic way of framing this too, yeah. to that I would end up in this bar talking to this person. And the writers are actively pointing out their own weaknesses yeah. Yeah. and discussing it. Mm. And it's really fascinating they do it. And it's really cool. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's so good. It's excellent. Yeah. And from there, they go on to talk a little bit more about mm. his idea of when he should have died and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I, and I think their discussion of coincidence is really important when we're thinking of looking forward to what happens in the rest of this season and what could potentially happen in future seasons in which they are, I think, making room in this world that... For more convenience? Yes, for more coincidences to occur and that, yes, sometimes they don't make sense and you can't piece them together and the consequences of coincidences on character and particularly a character like Walt who like rationalizing everything is so important but sometimes you can't rationalize these things and sometimes things just happen because it because in the next very next episode another major coincidence yeah. happens like yeah. that drives the rest of the season forward mm-hmm. is Jesse meets we take another turn which this season loves to do yeah yeah he meets the sister of, yeah, Andrea, the sister of the little boy of that the little boy Combo. that killed Combo, mm-hmm. who he was all torn up about when that happened yeah. in season two, mm. and this from here sort of steamrolls into the what happens in the rest of the season. Yeah, but it's a massive coincidence mm-hmm. that in this Thai town, the yeah. woman that Jesse ends up sleeping with happens to be yeah, and I think his sister, which is great because when Walt is talking about how all of this happened and the moment that things got beyond when he he should have died Mm -hmm. and he didn't and so things just got worse and worse and worse and i think so that's his moment of coincidence that kind of marks where things went wrong and i think this moment of coincidence for jesse is a reminder of the moment where things went wrong for him which is when combo died yeah he went on a spiral and he took jane with him so it's a nice little link there between i think they both each understand their own moments of the from here on out it's a clear descent to kind of hell so do you think the show is actively playing with the idea of like cosmic coincidence like has this become extremely lightly sci-fi for a moment here (laughs) um i think that might be because I don't think that's what it is no i don't i think that's putting a bit too much on it what it is is the writer's Essentially, talking about their craft. Yeah, sh- which is as I was describing why it's so to you much before, fun to watch. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a magic trick. Yeah, they're doing mm-hmm. because what they do, and the, or they, I think what they're trying to do, is when they start talking about coincidences, they're trying to justify mm-hmm. story contrivances. Yep. yep, and they almost pull it off. They try and pull off a bit of sleight of hand by then converging that in with this idea of that this was a significant moment. Yes. And then again, you are drawing the same conclusion mm-hmm. when it comes to Jesse. Yeah. And that's really clever that you can try and give significance to what is ultimately a weakness in the story. Mm. Um, 
I, I love it as a concept. Yeah. I love that the writers are aware of it. I love it again mm. from the craft because yeah. I, I agree that these things have to happen. Yeah. But I don't for a se- like it makes me appreciate the writers and the craft more <laughs> than it makes me appreciate the story. I, I agree. I with still that. think these are store- weakness in the story. Yeah. What this episode did as well, because they're looking at the craft and their craft so much, it actually made me think about other shows mm. that have to rely on coincidence at different points. It made me think of, for instance, the last season of Game of Thrones, right. um, where spoilers one- by the way, spoilers, <laughs> uh, little tiny, Not really spoilers, very but- vague. Probably, but if you you really worry about that stuff, um, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones yet, what the hell is Catch wrong with up, you? Catch up, you moron. We say this as people who have a podcast about not watching <laughs> good shows. Anyway, um, they, in the latest season, I was a little bit frustrated at the start of the season because a lot of things were happening very conveniently. Mm. Characters were either moving from place to place too quickly, that happened a couple of times, mm. or things were happening that just happened a little bit too easy. Um, but as the season went on, it ended up being one of my favourite seasons because it was so significant because things that needed to happen to keep the story moving in a positive direction did happen. Mm. Um, so I was able ultimately to forgive those things for the sake of the story, a story yeah. that had been expanding outwards every season getting bigger and broader mm. was starting to finally come, come back, together yeah. towards a, a satisfying conclusion, I hope, with two more mm. seasons to go. Fingers crossed. But as much as I can see that those weaknesses, I can also accept that there may be things that had to happen for the mm. sake of a satisfying story. Yeah. Um, the they op- serve a purpose, and as long as the purpose is something that you're good with, then it's yeah, it can yeah. be forgiven. Yeah. And times when it isn't used, I think of Lost, which just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and expanding outwards, and by the time they tried to make it all fit, they tried to sort of mangle or, or, or manipulate the story mm. to get to a satisfying conclusion, they completely screwed it up. Yeah. And it was super unsatisfying. So, like... We have to forgive those things. Yeah, I'm. That's. I think that falls back into trust in writers, and I think with this series, they've definitely built that trust. And so, when they use a function like coincidence, I think most of the time, if not all the time, there is a payoff. It it works ultimately to uh, push the narrative just to really good and interesting places. Yeah, and I, th- I think they're using it as a function. I think we will continue to see that as the seasons go on. Yeah, I think, yeah, I guess I guess that's true. I think um, I think that when people do it, they always do it for a reason. Mm. Um, it, sometimes it can just feel a little more satisfying. Yeah. Um, yeah, they all have a reason, there. but it's whether or not the writers are good enough to, for, for it to be satisfying is the difference or to feel... Or to Justifiable, like, I think, is also... For, yeah, for me, the frustration comes when I can sort of see the gears moving or it's like I can... Yeah, and like this might not affect other people, but I can see like... It's like Neo can see the code of the Matrix. Yeah. That sounds really pretentious. I don't think I'm the one, but... Um, uh, I mean, I think we can all agree that you are pretentious though, so... Well, okay, that, that we can sense. all agree on that. That's fine. <laughs> Um, I just don't want to sound pretentious, yeah, okay? Yeah, that's the big difference. Good, yeah. good. Um, but yeah, when I can see the story working to get somewhere, that can be a bit frustrating yes. for me. Okay, um, that's fair. And so this episode sticks out a little bit for that reason as well, because mm. it sticks out as being there solely for the purpose of helping to justify what they're going to do going forward. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, and it's interesting. It's fascinating in that way. It stands out as an interesting reflection on the craft of writing mm-hmm. at all on TV writing and and storytelling which is really cool but also if you remove this episode from the season mm. and one of the criticisms this season 
how this episode had particularly yeah. is that people that felt uh, it sort of got in the way of the momentum of the show. It was mm. going somewhere. This episode's a bit of a breath, which I think can be really good sometimes. And I'm certainly happy. I love it. Like, I mean, you said last episode and I agree. Like, I love a bottle episode. Yeah, I, and I love a bottle episode yeah, too. Like you said, you put two characters in a room and you just shake them about, see what happens. And, sure. But what's yeah. interesting about this episode mm. is when we shook those characters around, I didn't... Neither of those characters come away affected by this really we learn a little bit about them yeah. particularly walt i think we get to see a little bit more of his rationalization side mm-hmm. um which is great but if you remove this episode i don't think i'm going to understand anything less and maybe the show's going to turn around and prove me wrong i don't think i think you understand more about walt's actions in the following episodes that you wouldn't otherwise have understood the true depths of it. I, I think his true feelings towards Jesse, the, res- the true responsibility he feels towards Jesse is revealed in that episode and therefore justifies the things that he, you know, he kills two men for Jesse when he could have just let Jesse die. That is true. No, that you, you make a good point. They get to that moment towards the end when Jesse's mm. up on the ladder and he's apologising to yeah. Jesse. And it's it's almost it's almost an on-the-nose metaphor when he's got Jesse in his preca- it, precarious it very, position very is, yeah. and he's, like, supporting him <laughs> and trying to, like, you know, hey, be careful, don't fall, you're going to yeah. hurt yourself sort of thing. Um, and at the same time is apologising. Mm. Not that Jesse knows exactly to what extent he's apologising, yeah. but apologising yeah. for Jane's death. Uh, so that is true, mm. but coming back to that coincidence mm. moment, which is such a figurehead, I just yeah, you could take that whole moment out, and it wouldn't. It's it's fascinating, yes. but I don't think it's fascinating to. I think it's fascinating to the audience. It doesn't say much about our story, and it maybe maybe I'm wrong, and mm. I should give these writers. I mean, more I th- credit. I think it's. I probably should since they're I, amazing. I, I, <laughs> Oh, well, I actually think it's the opposite. I don't think it does a whole heap for most. I'm yeah, Maybe I'm You'd... wrong here. But I don't think it says a lot to most audience members. But I think it says a lot about the story. Oh, it's actively talking about story and storytelling and the way the story is being told. It's actively talking to the audience because it's not talking to... It's, and it's actually Jessie talking about going, Walt, What though. the hell like, is... Like, this is so much of, like us getting into walls, which we haven't really had a chance to do much of this season. And for real, a lot of the seasons, really, I think we're held quite at arm's length when it comes to Walt. But there's moments in this episode where we kind of like see, yeah, behind the curtain a little bit. I don't know. I feel like we we see it in much just more subtle ways. I just don't think we've ever seen well, it Well, I mean, directly. that's what Breaking Bad is known for, is it's silent acting, which, and these actors fucking nail it every yeah. time, which we, but, and I think this is the writer's kind of, having a go at that, having a go at like what Brian Cranston has allowed us to see and they kind of want to like show. So again, but it's, again, it's the writers it's though. The writers. It's like, but it's like they had to put him in this like... As a half, writer, I have no problem with this episode. But he has to like be put into a half-fugue state. Jesse has to yeah. basically dope him up mm-hmm. for him to start being, yeah. talking about this yeah. strange sort of stuff. Because otherwise Walt would never do it. I know. And yeah. but Jesse sits there going, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about mm-hmm. either really. Yeah. Until he starts talking about I mean, the only thing he's interested in is he's talking about Jane yeah. in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Emotionally, that matters to him. But again, yeah, I don't know. I just find, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it sticks out. It's it does. Like it's, it does. It, it's over here is this whole yeah. other thing. And I'm glad it's in there. Yeah. But it does. I think it's such an interesting episode that you can 
grab so much from it if you want to, or you can grab nothing from it if it just, you know, if it and doesn't I, affect you, it, that, which is really interesting if you have such a polarizing episode. I think it's great. I, I do too. And I think that explains why that this was a controversial episode, at yeah. least at the time. I don't yeah. know. I, I get the feeling this is probably, and I don't know, I haven't looked into it. I get the feeling it's probably looked back on as being a very good episode yeah. overall. But I can see if you're watching it week to week and you just want the story to progress, yeah. this would be extremely frustrating for sure. you. But we're in a lucky position where like one episode finishes and we start on another one. And yeah. it's wonderful. Um, so I wanted to move on from talking about coincidence and the writers really uh-huh. talking about coincidence and exploring that because I felt the exploration of coincidence and acknowledging it in the world is making maybe a little bit more room for things like that to occur in the future. And what I saw in this season in particular were the writers and the, the direction and that kind of thing moving away from the type of show we saw in season one, which was pretty real. It was a pretty realistic world. And we were kind of, it was posited as being a a realistic story. Mm-hmm. This season, we kind of move away from that a little bit and it becomes a little bit more figurative. It becomes, yeah, there's, there's more space for things to happen that probably wouldn't naturally happen. And for characters to exist that probably wouldn't naturally exist in the world that we know. What what were your thoughts? Oh well, no, about, I, I about think... that move from the tone of season one, the kind of show season one and t- season two as well. What that show was and what it is in season three. There are, I agree with you. There are certain things like that. I think the best example are the cousins, right? The cousins stand out as being like your larger than life hitman type mm. characters that should be from like a James Bond film or something like that. Yeah, right. Um, and so yeah, you start to go into this bigger world this Mm. this over it feels over the top it feels you know epic more Mm. epic in nature right it's no longer this tiny little story it's it's bigger and at stakes now funnily enough though i i and yes i agree with that Mm. um in some ways though the show has become more mature in the way at least from a from an elements that from the from the craft point of view of actually ma- like the, the stylistic point the of stylistic view? point of view it's probably matured a bit yes absolutely we don't have this weird cartel song at the start of one episode before <laughs> the credits we don't have yeah. as many of those oh, I, mean, I mean they do happen still we got these little musical montages they don't feel yeah. so goofy anymore for some reason we well, don't have Jesse floating off the bed the way the show just is it, from scene to scene so even like I feel like if we did have a bit of a cartel song for some reason that would make more sense in this season mm. when you see think the like the shots in Mexico which are just like covered in that like completely orange filter that makes Super it look yellow, like yeah. Mars and stuff mm. and then you know we you know we start off this season with seeing people crawl through the sand and not really oh, knowing yeah, why I forgot about towards, that first scene it was yeah, so strange it was bizarre and like seeing them crawl towards this shrine that. which I had to look up because I didn't understand what it was it was for Santa Muerta which I'm pretty sure I slaughtered that i'm so sorry <laughs> which is uh the holy death i think right um personification of death anyway yeah they're crawling towards it and that kind of like just but like more of that is in the show and so it feels the it feels on the level with the rest of what's happening and so when i think things like coincidence and like crazy characters and all these big bigger things are happening it feels encapsulated in that kind of more figurative a little bit more absurd world more fantastical more more stylized kind of world that this show has become 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's there. I think the, the elements wise, the show just feels like it's, it's identity is a little more confident in what it is yes. from a stylistic point of view, which is great. Um, I, I, I was saying to you earlier, I wonder, I'm fascinated. I really feel like I want to go back and like listen to commentaries and stuff like yeah, this when I'm done. Cause I, I feel like there was either a moment, it probably wasn't, it was probably like all things. It was a series of moments that led us to get here, but mm. it almost feels like there might've been an epiphany where someone went. Oh, we're making the wrong show. We need to make this show, yeah. And start to turn the sort of turn the show in this direction. Mm-hmm. And they've had to because it was been really fascinating. This season are all the flashbacks. This is mm. the last two seasons have involved flash forwards, primarily. Mm-hmm. They've been flashbacks, but a yep. lot of flash forwards have been used to try and um, give us suspense or give yep. us excitement and make us go, "Ooh, I wonder how that's going to go down." Yep. This season, I don't remember a single one, and I'm, I'm probably forgetting one or two. Yep. But I can't think of one off the top of my head. But what I can remember are all these flashbacks yes. to key moments or moments between what we thought were key moments mm. to recontextualize a couple of things. Which is fantastic. Or just to remind yeah. us of a few things. And it's fantastic non-linear storytelling. And it probably to some degree is retconning. They're probably... Which I respect more. But I kind of think it's pretty amazing. Yeah, the, them to do that so effectively. I agree. I think it's a bit of retconning. But... Having such an ability as a writer to go back and recontextualize something mm-hmm. so it feels organic, it, it yeah, it feels natural, it totally makes sense, you don't question it, you're like, yeah, of course that's what happened, of course that's, that's right. I like, I can't commend them enough for being just simply having the ability to do that because that's yeah. incredibly hard. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's again, we're looking at the craft that's yes, it's amazing the way they pull some of that stuff off. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It do, do you think it, some of the choices they're making make the world... Like, if we're talking about coincidence, though, makes this world feel a little bit smaller, though? Like, when every single event that's ever happened in this show can't just have been a, a single event that doesn't have payoff, everything has to pay off mm. and come back to bias in the ass. Does it make the feel world feel more real, or does it make it feel smaller? Because sometimes I feel like the world, feel, like this town, feels really tiny now. Yeah, where everyone can bump into somebody, or you know, meet mm. somebody that happens to be tied into a major life event yeah. that they once had. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it fits in with the idea I spoke about it earlier. Um, so the Greek myth in which, so I guess in this example, the riders are our gods. And like, you can feel them moving the players and stuff, yep. but everything still feels organic. All the choices they're making make sense for the character. It all it plays out how it is meant to play yeah, out. Yeah, I'm worried that because you, this is second time you've brought I don't that metaphor. Mind, I don't because mind. Because that literally translates to Deus Ex Machina, and that's a bad thing. Like the idea yeah. that the this is the machine that mm. we're running through. That that it, if yes, it feels like it's meant to happen this way. Yeah. But there's a you've got to be careful. This doesn't fall into destiny or like mm. or. That it feels like we're being manipulated from the outside. Yeah, I you can't. But I, that I, starts to happen. That's that. But that's I, gets in the way of the story. I, I don't think we're going to a place where it's getting in the way of the story. I think it feels like the great essence of a tragedy in which you can see that the choices being made, the characters that are in play. Yeah, it's going somewhere really bad, and and maybe like. The path that they have chosen is destined to be a bad end. Sure. But just like the feeling of that creates a great sense of like tragedy, but suspense. And I... So what you're talking about the difference there is thematic Mm. storytelling versus the narrative. Yes. Right? So it's the idea that the themes of Mm. this are really strong. Yeah. Like thematically, everything feels right. Mm -hmm. We're going to the right places with Walt. We are going to the right places with Jesse. We're going to the right places with Hank and Skylar and everyone. Mm -hmm. And that all feels true, which is why this show is so good. And that's coupled by the way that the show is shot, the way that it's acted, the Mm. way that it's written, all that stuff works together to do that. But there is a difference between that and the narrative. Yes. And I guess there's an argument to be made there about which ones are more important. I'm not even saying that the narrative is weak. Like, I'm really not saying that at all. I think it's really, really beautifully expertly done. I like that they were able to retcon and tie these things in. Mm-hmm. Right? I guess I'm just putting... Again, I got I mean, criticizing things helps me to contextualize yes. what I like about the yeah. show. Um, I'm having a hard time doing that at the moment because the show... This season was so good. Well, there's very I'm little s- to hang I'm my hat so on. I'm so excited bad. about the writing that I have just seen. It's really hard for me to even, like, think of criticism, which is bad. It's bad for the podcast. because, like, But, like, <laughs> but I'm just so excited. Yeah, and there's a lot to be excited by there. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm looking at what could be there. Yes. What's, let's mm-hmm. dig at the little nit- nitpicks that might be yeah. there to try and find... To, to try and define this a little bit. And the only thing that might be there is that it's at risk of going... Mm. If you go down that road too far where yeah. everything is super convenient and super tied together and again, yeah. the world feels so small, it starts to feel... The narrative will mm. start to feel forced and yeah. and while the themes are genuine, the narrative might feel not mm. um, genuine. Yeah, it's really about finding that balance from coincidence and choice. As long as they still allow their characters to make those choices that lead them down the path to perhaps coincidence. I feel like that's a really good balance. The, 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 it tends to always give us what's great also about the way they do the narrative is that thematically the characters always make the right choices that always make sense in character. They're not always predictable though, which is really good. Which is, which is what you need to keep it feeling refreshing and and exciting and keep things changing and and keep the momentum going, Mm -hmm. which is, great yes. that they can do that um but i just thought that was an interesting sort of um yeah point you brought up about that you know the world feeling i don't know it did make the world feel a little bit smaller to me yeah that, I, that doesn't bother me though it, it really doesn't bother me at all i don't think that's necessarily a negative for if that's the, the story if that's the world that this story takes place in 
Damn, no. Well it, well, it depends. What do you mean by small? Like, what are the it negative just, connotations it, when you say small? It, the negative respect? connotations is that it feels like there really are just a handful of people in this entire world. Like, mm. that they are all the most important people in this world. And it just doesn't feel like... It's why it's... Uh, yeah, at the same time, you have the plane crash thing that doesn't pay off. And you feel like mm. that should pay off more. But only because they made a big deal about it. Yeah, like, if did. it was a more minor detail in the way they presented it to me, mm. I wouldn't feel like it needed to pay off. But some of these minor details become big details. And that's really cool in terms of being pay off and everything has an, a causal effect. Uh, has an effect yeah. cause and effect is an important thing and it's even a criticism I brought up in season one where I hoped there would be more of that mm. I just guess when everything yeah. every little thing ends up being a massive deal yeah. it can just I don't know okay. it can feel like this whole thing is very small it just made me think of also like Gus's character confuses me sometimes as to exactly what what so his role is he owns that company they have the chicken company yeah they yeah. have several outlets all over like four or five different states, right? Yes. Why is he managing one single one sometimes? Why is he in there? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't know what he is anymore. And that, yeah. and that again, is an example of retconning. This is the. Yeah. This can be a little bit of a weakness as you can start to go. I don't that little thing back there doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think the way they justify it is that I'm assuming that was this isn't written, but I'm assuming that was the first franchise or first store and then sure. he franchised out from there because that's his town. That's where he lives. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, I can see what you're saying. Because he just actively started spending less time there and more time at the factory. Mm. And that made sense to me if that's what the store is. So why was he ever managing the other one? And at first I thought, oh, maybe it's just because he was there because he needed to have that meeting with Walt, and so he uses it as a place to do that, a safe space yeah, to do it. But that's, but that's, that's not, not the case because the cousins show up two days in a row and he's there to, mm-hmm. to witness that. And also previously, I think, well, even when like Walt goes to see him or whatever, he's there every day and doesn't exactly. walk back every day. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. just there, yeah. Yeah, he's just there. Yeah. I mean, there are a few things about Gus that I'm like, I don't think that was the original intention. Yeah. I think they've made him uh, South American, which I don't think he initially was. Because his accent suddenly appears in the season. I agree. I also think that maybe he was never intended to last as long as he did, but they just went, well, we really like this character and this actor. Mm-hmm. We should keep them around yeah. and like built or him out from he there. he was going to hang around, I don't think he was going to be... As important. As important. He was going to be more or mysterious. The, or, or the character he was... Um, I think he was meant to be a mirror of what Walt is, but beyond that, not so much this kind of South American drug lord dude. I mean, that was who he was, but he wasn't kind of this big bad that I think he is now. Yeah, I think he might have just been meant to be... Maybe they had some more ground... This is the thing, right? They're trying to expand out a little bit. But they might have been meant to keep it a little more ground level, but decided they want to make Walter a part of this bigger world. I mean, they've made Gus now. I mean, they sort of eliminated the cartel Mm. in this season. Yeah. Part of what they did with the cousins was introduce the t- cartel and then sort of make them relevant, at least for the foreseeable future, um, to give Gus more power, to make him yeah. the big the big threat, the big bad. Yeah, I think the cartel will play a part in future seasons, I feel, simply because the cartel... Oh, they did mention that they were pushing out again. They were like yeah, probing and again. Also, yeah, they're coming back. That's uh, true. Yeah, and when... The cartel mentioned, like, you know, never trust a South American, obviously referring to Gus. And I think yeah. there might be some history there with Gus. Um, so I think they will come back. Um, I think they'll play a part in Gus's demise. Mm. But, yeah. But, yeah, 
yeah, as we were talking about, yeah, retconning and that kind of thing, I think is what's going on with Gus. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, it's it, it works. It's fine. It doesn't bother me too much. But yeah, it's a little niggling thing. I was like, oh, okay, okay, I can see that. I can see what you're doing there. The point is to not let it, as much as it's interesting to talk about, mm. and it's, I think it's important to criticize those things, yeah. it doesn't really get in the way of the overall no. story. As you no. said, it still feels like our players who are being set up in this yeah. play, you know, this Greek myth, Yeah, all that stuff's still satisfying. Mm. And that's the most important thing. Yes. Yes, it is. Just to come back around to going from criticizing, like actively going, no, you're wrong, to, <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> Circle of life. Um. I was going to sing it then, but I was like, no, we don't have the rights to sing. Disney will come down and pass. <laughs> the podcast will be gone before we can say, I'm the one who knocks. Which we, I still haven't got there. I, don't I still know don't know what, what that is, is yet. Oh! oh! We, just, we just pointed no, each other and realized what we're talking about. There was a yeah. moment where they mentioned knocking. I'm like, I'm waiting for yeah. that to come up now. I was yeah. like, is this it? Is this the moment? Yeah, it wasn't. Sorry um, for everybody's ears, by the way. Because that was, a, they just massively peaked our microphone. So. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so I was waiting for. Um, what is it? The one who knocks or whatever. Yeah. Um, but a moment that did happen that I was waiting for that oh, I've yes. seen many a gif of. That was this season two. Oh my God. So long ago. In which Mr. Walt throws the pizza on the roof. Which is amazing. It was how how did how did they do that? Did you have you looked at that video about what happened? No. So the I wondered. Was it on purpose? Yes. Okay. So the the thing that part of the reason I wondered if the so box sig- was meant to go up and it, the pizza happened. I was like, "Well, that's the shot we're using." Mm. There's. A, I'll send you the video. I may even put it. I'll put it in the link for in the um, show notes for this mm. as well, um, so people can see it too. There is a video. It's a DVD extra where they explain that they the idea was always in the script that the pizza ends up on the roof. Yeah. Um, and they had it set up so that he could have multiple takes of it, and he got it. The first time <gasps> round, it just perfectly went up. And so when you see his face, Brian Cranston's face sort of like looks up, looks at it, looks again, does a bit of a double take, like, oh, that's actually up there and keeps yeah, going. And that's I, great. I read that as though being, oh, that wasn't meant to happen. Yeah. And then they wrote it into the script. Yeah. But no, the answer oh, is okay. that it was always meant to happen, but just not that quickly. That was great. Yeah. So that was satisfying it to was see very satisfying. like the thing in pop culture that I've seen referenced so many times. I'm like, oh, it's happening. Because it's referenced because pe- apparently people like, uh, Vince Gilligan has like told people to stop throwing pizzas onto that roof. Right? <laughs> Apparently, people just keep doing it. Whoever owns that house, people just keep throwing pizzas up there. That house is going to have to be demolished. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. So that was that was cool to see because yeah, whenever I've seen a gift of that, I've always felt on the outside looking in. Yeah, just not really like, understanding. What am, I, what am I missing out on? Yeah, like I guess it's a pizza on the roof. That's cool. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, nice. Um, so. Because we've been talking about function and writing, um, I noticed in a couple of interviews and a couple of articles I read about Breaking Bad that Vince Gilligan talks about the way that they write this show and he describes it as kind of jazz writing. Okay. Um, which is... So I guess there's different types of... I mean, there's many different types of writing. But when I was you know, studying writing, one of my lecturers spoke about there's you know two different types of writers there's quilters so you just write little random patches here and there and then you kind of like sew it together right and there's people do generally people do that with like ongoing narratives like television shows no it's usually novel writing I was say, it sounds like a novel yeah. yeah um and then there's people who just start and they just go and they just see where it takes them 
Um, so you can do that, but like generally TV writing, you have your normal structure and you know, you know, basically what you're doing. You have your plot in front of you and you just kind of follow it that way. The way apparently they write it is they just kind of go along. A choice is made. They see where that goes. Another choice is made. They see where that goes in a way that it's really fluid and there isn't necessarily a strict plan that any of the writers are really following, which which I think is what we see quite often and I think it's a great part of the show, maybe one of my favourite parts of the show, in which you think you know where it's going, something happens and we take a sharp turn left and then all of a sudden the season, maybe like two or three times this season, we are sent on a completely different narrative, which I really liked. What Did you notice that? What are your thoughts about that well, kind I, of I certainly, I can story? see that... Like I've actively pointed out as well that the show just tends to take a, just a slightly different direction mm. than I expected it to go. Yeah. I feel I feel just when I feel like I know where it's going to go, it mm. sort of goes somewhere else. Yeah. I, um, I think the cousins are a wonderful example of that, in which they're kind of posited as being, you know, the villains of the piece, and you think you know how that's going to play out mm. um, over the season, but I think by episode seven or eight, they've been removed, and it's almost like a reset. Like in the middle of the season, yeah. Mm. Which that, I mean, season two did that a bit as well. Yeah. So we've had two halves yeah. to that season as well. Um, I I don't know. I look at that. I think that's a dangerous game to play. <laughs> I'm worried that that can. Yeah. Um, like, listen again. I'm I'm underselling or not putting enough faith in these writers, obviously. But that they might paint themselves into a corner one day and go, oh crap, where do we go from here without betraying up all these things that have come before us? Yeah. And it, it certainly explains things like going back and trying Mm. to flesh out a few moments to make some things um, make sense Mm. or even having to use coincidence because if they don't, they've got no organic way of doing it. Mm. I I mean, the plus side is that it does feel more like like real life if you can't, if it's not all structured out, planned out in front of you. It can't just, you Mm. know, you don't know where you're going and you don't really in life either, especially when you're trying to figure out a tough situation. You're playing it by Mm. ear to some degree. I I would feel some sort of level of concern but for the fact that I felt like they lent into that practice of I guess jazz writing as we'll call it this season sure and this season had some of the best moments so far and it for me it was the most satisfying season I enjoyed it the most yep um and I think it's for that very way of storytelling they've decided to do it so you think if it was more structured if this had they had it more planned out in advance or if they'd had a whole season or even the rest of the series planned out in advance it would have been less satisfying perhaps that's yeah but i think this i I mean it's hard to say because who knows but this season felt so good and so rich because i didn't know where it was going i really i i really couldn't tell what was going to happen. This makes me fascinated to watch Better Call Saul when this is done. Because mm. that's a prequel series. Yes. So they have to know where that's going to mm-hmm. some degree. Yeah. They have to know where some characters end up. Yeah. They have to choose a starting point mm-hmm. and know <laughs> that they're going to end up somewhere in particular. Yeah. I wonder how that their jazz will go then. Yeah. <laughs> mm. That could have a really messy ending. I think that's a in- really interesting concept. Um, the jazz writing. I want to know the real truth of that because mm. that might be an over-exaggeration. Did you, um, did you read that or? Yeah, I read that. Yeah. Um, it was in an interview and then I read it in another article. Okay, cool. Um, 
but yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd love to. What has been your your that. reading and research generally? Because I really haven't done much at all. I'm going in just with what the show yeah. has presented to me. Um, so yeah, I was just watching it straight and just making my own little notes. Um, when I came across something that gave me an idea of perhaps uh, thematically what they were trying to do, yeah. Um, I then would like research the episode, the writers, um, get critical response to see if I was just maybe projecting on it or if other people got the same kind of vibe. Generally, they didn't. I was just, you know, reading things into the subject matter that may or may not be there. But, um, yeah, I was just really interested to know how some of these really complex episodes were read by other people. Yeah. Have you paid attention to the amount of female directors and writers? I have noticed um, Moira, what's her name? Not sure. I know she wrote, was... yeah, some of my favorite episodes. Um, I, I, directors, no, I didn't take any notes. Because there's at least one female director, yeah. I'm pretty sure, as well, which would be interesting. Yeah. We might put that in as something we should look at next time as I, well. I think so. Because I found some of the writing between Marie and Skylar a bit more interesting this season. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether that had to do with that as well. Mm. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely, I think um, for Fly, it was written by two people and one of them was a woman, I believe. Right. Yeah. Cool. So. Mm. There you go. Um, speaking, no, actually, I don't have a segue for that. I'm just going to ask you a question. I no, I do have a segue. Here we speaking go. Speaking of, <laughs> okay, let's set this up. <laughs> and now presenting to you, Damask's amazing segue. Hello. Um. So, hold <laughs> well on. No. Okay. So speaking about women and female writers. I did actually want to speak to you about Skylar and what they did. That was a good segue. Well done. With, thank you. With that character this season. Because over 13 episodes, she goes from wanting nothing to do with Walt, mm-hmm. having an affair, um, then deciding to not only let him back in the home and financially support them, but actively taking a part in his illegal activities. Mm-hmm. Well done you, by the way, for predicting that one. Yeah, I know. I was so happy. <laughs> I never get these things right, and I did. Um, consider it woman's intuition. That's what it is. But, um, yeah, so how did you feel about Generally, Skylar's story this season? Uh, I have no idea how you feel about this. I, for the most part, like what they did with Skylar. Um, I, the first thing, straight away, the thing that I love is that I, one of the things I asked at the end of last season was where is she going to figure it out? How is she going to figure out? Is that is Walt going to tell her about what's been going on? Or yeah, like straight away. I wondered whether he would tell her. I wondered what, whether he would lie to her, how he would mm. get back into the family and so forth. They totally went against my expectations and didn't do, didn't do that at all. She figured it out. Yeah. And they just let her figure it out. And they didn't let it slide for ages either it wasn't like this ongoing thing it just was like in episode one she's like oh no i figured it out you're selling she thought it was marijuana yeah but she like yeah it's drugs it's obviously drugs and that was i was like yes good i'm glad you're treating this character yeah so that felt organic to you you were happy that it just kind of happened yeah and it felt uh yes because i felt she was smart enough to figure that out Mm -hmm. and that was fine and then uh, yeah i I think so i don't know what about you it sounds like you might have been found a little more egregious Um, than I did. I think it was necessary for... I mean, they've only got 13 episodes and a lot of time is not really allowed to be spent on Skylar um, just for time and there's so much going on. 
So I understand why they had to get her to figure it out really quickly. Mm. Um, but I think that is a bit of a continuing problem with Skylar is that she moves into things really quickly and sometimes with not a lot of justification. Sure. Um, Reactionary? Yeah. So I think if I had a criticism of the character of Skylar, the writing of her, it would be that, yeah, things just... I, I found it really hard to justify to myself why she was so interested in taking such a big role in the money laundering and those types of things. And I don't think it was given enough time to fully like uh, marinate on that. I disagree, actually. I think mm. that was something that was building throughout the season. She goes from being obviously like just completely doesn't want to have any, what to do anything mm. with her life. Then they have the power play where she tries to take power for a while yeah. and he plays back and, it's, and it ends up with her having the affair, mm. which she's obviously not particularly really by you know yeah. a few episodes of that later and she's like done with that no. yeah. that's not really for her either mm. um but then the situation with hank happens and she looks at her sister going through the exact same scenario i love that we came back to this mm. whole how the medical system in yeah. uh, america is completely fucked oh god that's so awful and that. looks at them having the same problems and mm. realize we've got all this money that we got through illegal circumstances mm. the least we can do is try and use it for good i understood Basically, that the, yeah and but by the time she's doing that, she knows that this needs because she's an accountant. Yeah. Even though she's doing it for the right reason, she knows this needs to be done in a way so it doesn't yeah, come to has to be impeachable. Them. Yeah. And she's again worried about her family, though. Much like mm. Walt, she's worried that if this isn't done correctly, it's going to not just mm. screw them over, but screw Hank and Marie over as well. Yeah. And I, th- it's interesting that she ended up going down the, mm-hmm. essentially, turning towards. Uh, yeah. Walt's way of thinking. I don't know. It felt... Uh, it, it got there kind of quickly because I, it all happened I, after I Hank's... I think... I... Yeah. A problem I have with it is... So, Saul has set up the laser tag thing. Mm. Um, but she, she 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 doesn't want that. She's adamant that they should get the car wash and that she should be running it or doing the accounts and that kind of thing. Yep. And the whole thing with, like, not getting divorced because they can't, you know testify against each other and oh that. isn't isn't it that the, the uh, husband and wife can't yeah, be yeah, yeah. uh can't be found guilty yeah. of the same crime isn't mm-hmm. that i remember there was a famous lawyer told me that in uh, arrest well, development no, <laughs> as soon as that line came up i was like oh now i get that joke in arrest development yeah, i have the worst fucking lawyers such a... <laughs> so good. anyway uh yeah they can't um testify against each other my problem with that is that if Walt is running an illegal business, mm-hmm. um, is doing money laundering, and his wife is the accountant, sure, they can't testify against each other. However, they can both go to prison. Why would she actively put herself on the line to go to prison when she has a fucking baby? Why not just have that other laser tag business... Let it be run. Let the money come Even in, if and it's then if shit. and then if something goes wrong, she's safe. Yeah, her family is safe. It, it may it didn't make sense to me to do that, it, and mm. it, and they could have found a way to justify it, but it just wasn't given the time for like her to come to that realization. Or even if she did want to break bad as well, even if that was her justification, I didn't see that, and I I just I couldn't understand. The woman's got a baby. I just couldn't 
figure out why she would like you sound like Jesse all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like why are you it's why like you think of the children? Why are you getting high if you got a, got a kid? Yeah, it, just, it it didn't make sense to me. Ah, uh, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, mm. no, that's that's fair. The uh, there is certainly something safe about keeping your distance yeah. away from Walt and just yeah. reaping the benefits of it. Yeah, and they can still be like legally separated, but not divorced, so that they don't have to you know testify. Like she can still do that, but yeah, yeah it, it just seemed a bit. I silly. did love the gambling story that she came up with, though. And I love that. I scene. loved it too. It was so good. And was I so love that the camera actually stayed on Walt <laughs> and watching him just be lean forward and really like, impressed. Like when Walt and Marie both lean forward and they are in this story, they want to know more. Yeah, it, yeah, it was great. It was really, really good. And it made me go, "Why didn't I? Why didn't someone else think of this? <laughs> why did it take so long for someone to come up with this amazing excuse?" Yeah. Like Walt's looking at it going, "That's what I yeah. should have said." Sold That's everything. why I married you. You're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, sure. Okay. Yeah. So well, it was just like little things like that that I was just like, just, yeah. The missed, few missed moments, missed notes. Um, things There's a scene weren't... missing here or there that you yeah. feel like need to be there for her. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Now, as we know, because I've spoken about this in earlier episodes, I'm not particularly um, technically savvy or aware. I'm a pretty passive viewer. When it comes to the technical side of how TV gets made, are there any particular things that you wanted to talk about that like stood out for you f- the way this show was made this season? You, I think you've mentioned in the recording today and maybe earlier as well mm. that you found this season felt a little bit different in the way it was shot. What mm-hmm. were you? What were you feeling that was different? Because I'm not sure. Apart from it just generally feeling more confident, mm. I'm not sure whether it necessarily technically stood out that much differently right. to previous seasons. Okay. It seemed fairly similar to me. They've still got those... There's a, there's a, there's a few scenes that involve long, mm. either very long takes or yeah. even moving takes to good, or perhaps even um, dollies in on mm. a character and stuff like that. Very good directional choices. Yeah. So again, it's more of a confidence yeah. in the style. I think may- maybe that's what I was responding to. As someone who is passive, the the way... I'm, I'm going back to Fly once again. Yep. The way that was shot, those extreme close-ups, sure. the angling, it was... I was really aware of that, which I generally am not. And I think things like that were consistently used and really confidently used and i and i go back to um the opening shot of the season which is you know it's got that yellow filter on it and that kind of thing and it makes there's an otherworldly feel to the show like i'm yeah, noticing those gross i didn't i didn't love that i know what it, i know what its function is but i didn't love it from the yeah but like her. that's what I'm, but i'm noticing those sure. things and it feels yeah like it's creating a world which i otherwise in previous seasons haven't really picked up on okay um and because I am such a passive viewer when it comes to those things, I'm not sure why I'm picking it up this season. Um, I, I, I honestly think it comes down to just more confidence in what the show... I think mm. more people on the, at making those creative choices know what the show is yeah. and what the show can be mm-hmm. and have a clearer idea of the identity of the show now. Yeah. The comedy tends to be better. Mm-hmm. The characters, while they're still big characters, mm. often tend to be written a little more realistically. Even people like Badger and Skinny, I think are just more believable as human beings mm-hmm. this time around. They're yeah. less cartoonish. Um, they were very cute in the NA. I scenes. love that stuff. Yeah, yeah that was good. really good. It's very good. Even, I mean, Saul's probably the biggest character when it comes to like, he is a like clown almost. Yeah. There's some dimensions to him as well, which is great, but this isn't, that's not even really the technical stuff. The music is used a bit more 
selectively, a little more subtly, this I find mm-hmm. as well. One of my favorite scenes is the one where Gus shows Walt what his new laboratory is going to be. Yeah. And there is this beautiful, quiet little That's piece underneath right. I it. I did actually, I noticed that. Yeah. And it's very seductive, but it's mm-hmm. not overplayed mm-hmm. either. It's, it just fits perfectly with the tone that they're going yeah. for. And I could, it was almost, almost had like, like an spell. ethereal yeah. spell. Oh, sorry, ethereal feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I loved. Mm. Um, the, yeah, the flashbacks and stuff. I'm just trying to think what else. Yeah, maybe a few more dolly shots and stuff. Uh, I didn't feel... They're still using those handheld shaky cam shots a lot. Right. They've mm-hmm. been doing similar framing. They've got this thing where if there's two people, especially husband and wife, it was a lot of Skylar and mm. Walt in season one and two, and a, and the same in this season, but also a little bit with Marie and Hank this season, mm. where if they're both sitting down, they'll have this very wide shot where they frame them. Isn't it through a window usually? No, it, it tends to be very. It tends to be front on. So okay. it happened a lot with Skylar and Walt in season one in particular, where they'd mm. sit on opposite ends of the couch. You'd see the division between yes. them. Yeah. Um, and they did that, and there was even a bigger divide in this season where they weren't just sitting opposite of the couch. One was sitting at the table or at a chair, mm. and the other was sitting on the edge of the couch, and then it was. It was framed exactly the same, but because it was over the hallway, it looked all the way down the hallway. Yeah, right. And so it had this amazing depth to it. And so the division was even more mm. like, like... a chasm. Friend, instead like a chasm, of a, rather yep. than just like a, a, a split. Yep. It was like... And so it was more pronounced than ever. Mm. But no, but things like that. But that was all consistent with what they'd done. They just yeah, sort of okay. continued to expand upon it. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think what else, if there was anything beyond that. I really just think it was... It, they just continued to grow into their style yeah. and understand it more and just make better choices and use those. They, they, those moments that I found in season one is not feeling like they fitted in the tone Yeah, don't happen as much mainly because they're just done more selectively yeah. or more consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, we, as the show continues to mature, so does the, the style. Sorry, I could have a more interesting answer for that. No, one. no, that's that's a okay. Please correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. You can send your emails to hunting esca. No, I can't remember the email. <laughs> uh, did you have any topics you wanted to bring up? Not really topics. I was just sort of looking back through my notes. I wrote a lot of very reactionary notes mm, this season as yeah. episodes went on about things that stood out to me. I brought up that I love that Skylar figured it out. I loved the what you said before about Jesse accepting that he's the bad guy. Um, and mm. Walt saying, professing that he's not a bad guy. Yeah. I mentioned the teddy bear eyeball, but we've already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, episode two was interesting. Did you notice that Walt seemed to be going down a bit of an OCD route for a moment? He had that moment where he like took the Band-Aid out of the pool or whatever at the place yeah. he was staying at and stuff like that. I wondered where that was going somewhere. It doesn't seem to become anything. Yeah. I mean, I think Walt has moments of... Yeah, it's... OCD or sometimes or neurosis it, or, or it's, yeah neuroses or even like mania where like he can't he just has a a, a single focus mm-hmm. or he focuses on I mean fly he focuses on in season two the the rot and the foundation like there's moments where he just gets obsessive yeah um I don't know where that's going I I don't know if that's just character and we don't need an explanation for that yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, you draw attention to it, though. You're trying to say something. Mm. I'm just wondering what they're yeah. trying to say there. It's, um, it is um, is definitely a part of his character at this point. Did you notice also, I mentioned in season one, very naively, mm. that I wondered whether they might lean on his cancer as maybe being a factor in some of his personality changes, right? Yeah. And they actively brought it up yeah, in Fly, did. actually. And Jesse talks this story about his, his aunt, aunt mm. who kept seeing 
uh, this possum or whatever it was is on the floor. Called Scrabble. Scrabble. (laughs) And he kind of maybe suggesting like, is this what you're doing right now, Walt? And Walt's saying like, no, I'm I'm fine. (laughs) And like, I think that was a statement from the writers saying, no, that's not what we're trying to do here. And Gus brings that up as well. He's like, are you seeing bright lights? Yeah. Um, So that was interesting. I thought it was very, (laughs) such a little detail I thought was funny. Mm. When they went to pick up their, uh, when the cousins went to pick up their uncle, um, yeah. his name I can't remember now. Uncle the, Theo. Uncle Theo. Mm. Just, I thought it was really funny there was a Ouija board in an old person's home. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really morbid or maybe it's the opposite of morbid. I don't know. It's really you sweet. Want, you want just, sweet. Just saying hi to George who died last week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? How it's was good it over there? I loved, I was very satisfied when Jesse bought his parents, his house back. Yeah. Love that. Not that they really went anywhere this season, but it was satisfying mm. to see that. How handsome has Aaron Paul been this season now that he's been like off meth and like dressing like a well nice I, I did notice that when he comes back from rehab he's not wearing his uh you know fubu and what's that other Wu-tang brand Wu-Tang and Dada yeah. is that one I don't know I don't know anyway um, not my world <laughs> I mean of course it is I'm slinging meth all over the every place <laughs> um, yeah when he I have to was... get slinging meth into every episode we talk about okay, that, by the way. that sounds cool. good Excellent. Um, yeah when he was just wearing like a normal t-shirt and like there's one thing where he's wearing like a nice little woolen cardigan and he and he's Blue eyes were popping. Mm. He's looking a bit rugged. I'm just like, oh my, Aaron Paul's actually really attractive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's, he's a bit of a dreamboat in some of these scenes. Yeah. Mike is awesome. I wrote, I think I wrote that a couple of times. I just oh, liked, I I wrote love the character times. of Mike. The yeah. bit in the last episode where he goes in to this factory and like takes out four guys, including mm. shooting one guy through a wall. Yeah. was just totally rad. He feels like he should have be this is where the, the show gets bigger, right? You're talking mm. about feeling more fantastical. Yeah. It's like his character seems larger than life. Yeah. Um, the way he just like takes down a factory full of, I guess, bad dudes or enemies, yep. just like that. I'm like, yeah, that was <laughs> that was interesting. I don't know how realistic it is, but it was fantastic to watch. And Mike is amazing. He He's a great character. Needs his old own shot. And I love the bits with him and his granddaughter. There's just little snippets. Yeah, I really so loved adorable. Him. And even the backstory with him about he was a cop, and you know he was going to kill this abusive dude and didn't, you know, half measures. And then the woman ended up dying. Like just little scenes like that really sell all of their characters. Goodbye RV. Oh yeah. Oh, I was actually really sad when the RV. I quite. Was crushed. The. I liked that the show made it a moment. Mm. Like there was, yeah, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a transition moment, but they yeah. were reflecting on like, this rv has been an important character yeah. up until now. We'll mm. give it its fair due, its fair goodbye yeah. um, when it was getting crushed. I quite liked mm. that. I thought that was really nice. Did you notice mm. there was a lot of lawyers and boardrooms in this season? No, I didn't notice. Did, did you not notice that? There was like, you'd no. have obviously Jesse and Hank, Jesse and Walt talking with Saul. Mm-hmm. You had Skylar talking with her lawyer a lot. Then you oh, had, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. That came up a few times. Mm. Then you had Hank talking with, like, his, the, like the police lawyers and stuff oh, like that. Oh, that's right. There were just a lot of, like... I, yeah, I didn't know let, Getting those sorts of people. <laughs> I just thought that was a really interesting change, but I guess that makes sense when there's divorce and stuff going on that yeah. those things are going to be happening. But I was just like, there's a lot of lawyers in this show now. <laughs> there are lawyers everywhere. But Saul is and always will be the best. Oh, of course. Numero uno. They're, one of the tricks that Walt used to do all the time was he'd be on a phone call and then pretend it was somebody else. Yes, I had that in my notes as well. And yeah, and he goes to tell 
Skylar the lie of like, oh, you, Do you know, know who that was? Those. And she just gives him a look and he's like, what is the fucking point of this? Yeah. And just walks away. He's like, I there's no need. That. Which, which I, I love when it's like compared to, so obviously the language between Walt and Skylar has changed. So yep. they don't need to lie to each other in that way anymore. Totally. And then she actually steps onto his side and then becomes the liar to Marie and the rest of the family. She joins in. I just, I'm just glad that that's where the show is. The show, yeah. we didn't keep doing the runaround of how That long. would have been so dull. Yeah. It would have gotten tiresome. Mm-hmm. I just, I remember Dexter did this for ages, right? Like, part of the thing that made Dexter exciting was like, how long until Deb finds out that Dexter's... Mm. And when they finally got there, it, the show got interesting for a second, even yeah. though I didn't properly watch that season. <laughs> I think it got crap again. Yeah. But like, they kept getting so close and turning away from it so many times. Mm. It was just, it got, it got so tiring. Yeah. Jane! We got Jane flashback. That was heartbreaking. I know I could hear you crying from the kitchen. You were very upset about that. I was just I was just glad to see her again. And she's so fucking cool and articulate and just just the light of Jesse's life. That was an excellent scene. It, it was great. And the only other thing I have wrote, written here was that I there was a moment in the last episode where Saul um, is being pressured by Mike to tell him where mm, Jesse is. Yeah. And he says, I can't do it. Yeah. You know, confidentiality agreement mm. with my clients. And then Mike starts to like, you know, suggest he's going to beat him up. And Saul's yeah. like, but I might've written it down somewhere. Yeah. And so I went from going, oh, Saul has principles to, oh, Saul doesn't have any principles until we find and out then... it was a fake address. And I was like, was so oh, Saul does have principles. Yeah, I like that. that. I'm happy. Yeah, there was so many ups and downs to that. Like, that little... It was like 30 seconds. Yeah. It was so quick. But it was it was really satisfying because I was just like, yay. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was really good. And then, yeah, just the last, what, like two minutes or something? Well, of, I kept you like, watching me watch the last yeah. episode. I was just like, this show needs another episode. You kept episode. Like, looking at the time to see how much further you had to go. I yeah. was like, yeah, it's the last few minutes that are just incredible. It was an interesting episode as well because it's there's these big chunks in there that there actually comes in big chunks that last episode. There's first the big chunk. It takes 10 minutes at least with waltzing in the car waiting to meet up with Mike and Gus. Yes. And it's like, that takes ages mm-hmm. just to try and figure out what's going on there. Mm. Then you've got the scene with Gus talking with Gail at his home and that takes a while. And then you've got that scene even between those two where Mike is in the factory taking out those four guys. Yeah. And it's like, it comes in these big chunks and it's not until, yeah, the last 15 minutes, 10 mm. minutes where it really like... Kicks into high gear, but it was a great episode. Yeah, I think that's it. I think I'm out of things. Sorry, okay. a couple of random ramblings at the end. Um, so now that we've done the the basic chat, mm-hmm. do you want to talk about favorite and least favorite episodes? Sure, I'm going to say that my favorite episode is episode seven, which is entitled One Minute, mm-hmm. which is the episode where. Um, I think it starts that episode, if I remember, with him beating the snot out of Jesse. Yes. Um, oh. Maybe that was an episode earlier, Maybe, I can't but it's, exactly, it's dealing yeah. with the consequences of that, definitely. So it's about mm-hmm. Hank um, really sort of coming to grips with what he's done, with um, his masculinity to a degree. He, he decides to just um, not lie, but just admit mm. and take responsibility for his actions. Um, he leaves. I just found that that whole thing was built up so beautifully over the episodes that come before it mm. and then paid off so well. And then... The climax of that being the scene, amazingly suspenseful scene. It was an incredible scene. The- I my mouth was open the whole time. Yep. I 
yeah, I, I just didn't know what was going to happen. It was so exciting. It was so well done. Yeah. yeah. And it just kept escalating because it was like, mm. it, it went from, I could feel the mechanics of the show. I knew that something big was going to happen. Yep. I, I actually thought it was his death, but that's, mm. you know, so he was definitely I. in danger. Yeah. He gets to the car and I'm waiting for it to happen. Then he gets the phone call mm. and all of a sudden someone, which we find out later was Gus, mm. has rung him to give him a warning. Yeah. And says he's got one minute, which just ratchets it up more. And then yeah. he realizes he doesn't have his gun. Yeah. And then he's, he's just looking and the clock is there and he's looking and the clock is there. It's such a simple thing. It's not even like, right. it's not like ticking. It's just this yeah, solid just number. There. And then and just waiting for it to change, change. to the next yep. one. Yeah. And it was beautifully done. It was mm-hmm. probably my favorite sequence in the entire show so far. I loved it. Yeah. I, I think I would agree uh, sequence wise. So that was my favorite and, sequence. And, yeah. and, and like that sequence alone would give it, high praise but the the whole episode leading up to it and just all the Hank mm-hmm. stuff was so good that yeah I think it's my favourite episode of the season yeah um, what about you I loved um, was it one minute is that what's called one minute one yep. minute yeah, I loved one minute I really did um, for a, a while as I was watching through that was going to be my favourite um, but ultimately I have to give it to Half Measures which is the half second measures. second last episode Ah, um, sure, okay, yeah. which has an also excellent balls-to-the-wall ending. Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- I think I just, I was watching it and I exclaimed, oh, shit, at the end. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. Um, and just seeing Jesse not able to accept the injustice, seeing his planning to try to like do the right thing but you know half measures he doesn't actually want to kill the people himself he wants you know the prostitute to do it and it was nice to see wendy back as well i love Wendy. did you like a little song at the start (laughs) that that was a great montage it was you know disturbing but it was really well done it was fantastic um i just loved the sequence where walt hears on the tv that a young boy has died yeah and you just see the ticking it was that silent acting that we've mentioned earlier of the actors and then all of a sudden bam he's at the door he's got to go and then that was great edit wasn't it that was cut from him sitting down at the dinner table to like i'm sorry i have to go yeah he's out the door that was that was very that was great yeah um and then yeah that that last sequence where he you know oh just like yeah the building of suspense which is a great thing in one minute here we have jesse who's you know gets out of his car and he's walking across the street and he's you know got his gun and he's you know he's going to do it and he just gets closer and closer and the two dudes get out of their car and they're standing there with their guns and then he brings out his gun and he you know goes to point it and then bam waltz there Mm. and yeah just when he obviously kills them run (laughs) yeah that's yeah run exactly it's yeah I, I loved it i really 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 liked that episode absolutely totally mm-hmm. agree with you that's a very cool episode what's your least favorite my least favorite and i and i really really want to make it clear here <laughs> that i don't think this is a bad episode i actually think this is an excellent episode uh particularly certain sequences are just excellent yeah but mm. i'm gonna give my least favorite episode of the season to the Okay, I'm going to justify this. It's my least favorite episode <laughs> of Breaking Bad for yeah. this season of Breaking Bad, right? Mm. So this is, I'm again, we keep, I keep doing this. I shouldn't, you know, hang our podcast on another one. But what I like about um, one of the Story Wonk podcasts is the Dusted one, which is there. They talk about, they literally go through and rate 
every episode of Buffy. Yeah, I haven't listened to that one. Well, what's interesting is when they get to really popular and big episodes like mm. um, Hush and Once More with Feeling and stuff like that, um, they talk about them not just in, the, in them being episodes of television, but being episodes of Buffy. Mm. Right, and so they rank them as like being yeah. exceptional episodes of television. But is it a great example of an episode of Buffy? Okay. And so for me, Fly is a fantastic episode of television. Mm-hmm. Really fascinating, really insightful, particularly because I'm interested in the writing process and like storytelling in general. Mm-hmm. And I love bottle episodes, and I love those those two actors together, and I love so many things about it. And that sequence, particularly that we talked about in such detail earlier, I love. Yeah. But as an episode of Breaking Bad. It's got to end up sort of being the weakest episode of this season because it it, it participates the least in the ongoing story. It gives mm-hmm. it the least going forward. Mm-hmm. It gives us it's a great moment of reflection, but it doesn't actively drive the episode. It's an atypical episode, and I feel like all the things I'm saying sort of go against everything I said about four days out <laughs> last <laughs> podcast that yeah. we did. Um, but but I, I'm actually, actually my real criticism is that tonally it's a bit of a funny one. This whole fly thing is pretty ridiculous and silly, um, and it does take a long time to get to anywhere meaningful. It's a lot of sort of Brian Cranston being a weirdo and Jesse sort of reflecting or or reacting to that for mm-hmm. a good twenty or thirty minutes, twenty minutes at least, and it sort of takes a while to get to a point where it got interesting for me. It was just like, okay, this is funny and goofy, I guess, but what are we doing here? And because of that, if it was like 10 minutes shorter, I think I'd love the episode Mm. because it had to stretch out to 45 minutes. So it's like, I don't know. It's got, it's got a couple of problems. That doesn't mean it's bad. I actually, I actually love it. It's an episode. I can't wait to watch again. Yeah. But, but I don't have as many criticisms for other episodes because they work because the whole season works so well as a whole, I have to point out the thing that sticks out, and that was the Fly. Mm. I'm... I'm just going to just, yeah, just roll up in a ball and come <laughs> myself no, to I, sleep No, I think you've justified mm. yourself pretty well. I don't necessarily have a least favourite episode this season. See, that's, I don't like, wanna, that's, that's my thing, right? I don't want to have not have a least well, favourite episode. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you one, but... So it's the second episode... It's Cabal of I hate that I chose on with the <laughs> the hard title. Yeah, Cabalo sin nombre. Um, just because there was a large focus on the um marriage turmoil between Walt and Skylar and sure. um Flynn's, you know, reacting to that, I don't really care about that so much. Sure. So it just wasn't particularly interesting. Um. Yeah, it just wasn't a very interesting episode to me. Okay, at, cool. at all, and I and I, yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing happened of interest in that episode for me. And I know like that generally happens in your first couple of episodes. You're seeing the new yeah. status quo a little bit, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't stand out in my mind at all, and that's so it's my least favorite. Well, it's funny because I think it, I think if I watched it more recently, I would remember it more clearly. Mm. But it was so long ago that I've yeah. forgotten a few of those details. I like well, just in my notes, even, that long ago, even but... in my notes, I was writing with frustration about particularly like Flynn and yeah, that kind of thing, the attitude he had towards his mother and then I'm meant to care about him and yeah, the family dynamic. And I just, I just didn't really care at that stage. So right. it wasn't particularly interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be my answer for Lee's favorite. I know, I know it's weak and I'll try better in the future to 
really try to nail down a least favorite. It's just hard when you're watching a great show and that's you're just it. enjoying I, yourself so much. It's great that there is less, yeah. uh, there is no clip show yeah. in this season. So that, yeah, that's, that's really nice. <laughs> that's true. So do you have any predictions? Um, Not really at this stage. I'm kind of a little perplexed about where things are going to go at all. We're in such that's a sticky terrible, situation. I don't have any predictions either. It's like we've kind of, well, what were the things that we predicted at some stage that that the family is going to get more involved in the business. Mm-hmm. That's already starting to happen. Yeah. It's just a matter of evolution from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I predicted that Hank was going to die. They've dodged that bullet. I don't see that happening anymore now. We've no. sort of, we've had yeah. where that moment would have organically happened and it's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. It's unlikely to. Mm. You never know though with this show. Oh, you never know. It yeah. might, but it's like the that moment, that beat came and went. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's it, it almost very close to how I expected it to go down, but it didn't mm-hmm. sort of it just, they went somewhere more interesting with it, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, beyond that, I don't know. I, I mean, the, the obvious things here are going to be that if this pays off and Walt does make himself valuable to Gus because he doesn't have a second chemist anymore, mm. that the relationship between Gus and Walt is going to be pretty poisonous. Yeah, I, I can see some sort of demise of Gus in order for Walt to grow, I guess, um, or sure. further himself. Um, is that where the show needs to go? Do you think? Do you think what has to happen is essentially Walt has to take over that sort of position? Like you, I, I think so. I mean, because if Gus still exists, I don't know what then happens to Walt or where he can go from there. I can, yeah. I think his situation with Gus is incredibly precarious, and I think perhaps he might have to turn to other people to elevate him. Maybe that's the cartel. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see yeah, that. Yeah, utilising them to maybe usurp uh, Gus, maybe. Because, sure. um, you know, I don't think Walt particularly likes being told what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see him wanting to break away from that. Um, but beyond that... What do you think about sure. Jesse? If he's actually killed Gail, as we're led to believe? Well, in order for Jesse to survive gus still needs to be taken care of because he's not going to let no I mean, jesse live he's got no reason to keep jesse around yeah jesse sort of just needs to get out of there at this stage yeah so i'm not sure i really don't know i feel mm. like gus needs to be taken out of the picture in order for things to happen with jesse well let's just assume that jesse is going to be okay for whatever reason mm. what's the relationship between walt and jesse okay. like at this point i feel like the the bond is going to have grown i think you think they'll be closer i because i believe jesse will be so traumatized by what happened and there will be a need to justify why he did what he had to do he felt like he needed he it was awful he didn't want to do it but he felt like he needed to kill gail to save you know someone i guess a a friend i don't don't know how to describe their relationship exactly and I think the fact that they have both killed for each other yeah, will mean a lot. The, the, what's interesting, though, this, the the important linchpin that this all rests on is still the fact that Walt killed Jane, mm, yeah. right? Because, or let her die, yeah. to, be more, to be more accurate. But he helped Jesse. He says he owed him, yeah. right? And then Jesse has helped Walt because he feels like he owes mm-hmm. Walt. Yeah. But the truth is that 
Jesse owes him a lot less than he thinks he does because Walter's already fucked him over yeah, big time. Ab- absolutely. And okay. so that's still got to be the... the I, I, kept, I misused this term smoking gun, by the way, in previous episodes. That's oh. not a smoking gun. A smoking gun is evidence that somebody's... <laughs> that's like the evidence that will get someone convicted. Yeah. I meant Chekhov's gun. Yeah. It's the idea that something that we know is there, an element that will cause conflict yeah. and show up at one stage. It's still the Chekhov's gun mm-hmm. of this. I also want to correct something just while we're here. Mm-hmm. When I said in a previous episode that fridging was a was a Ant-Man <laughs> thing, it wasn't even the right series of comics. It was Green Lantern. That's a DC series. So, uh, sorry, Hank Pym. I didn't mean to character assassinate you. So Good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we've, been, we've sorted been that on, out. Yeah, it's been causing me sleepless nights. I get that one. <laughs> Beyond that, I have no freaking idea. Yeah, do, they, do they get the car wash, do you think? Is that going to be... I guess so. I think so. I think Skylar needs to be more involved. Otherwise, what's she going to do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> What about Hank? It's interesting we have such few ideas, yet we're so excited to see where it goes. Yeah. I think that's why we're so excited. It's because we just don't know where yeah. it goes now. Yeah, yeah. It puts it in a really interesting, suspenseful place yeah. going forward. Yeah. I agree. I'm, they've, I'm intrigued. I'm just totally intrigued about how this is going to play out. Excellent. Um, would you continue watching? No, I'm done with this show. Fuck yeah, this me show. too. Fuck this show. Yep. What a piece of shit. Whoever suggested this <laughs> let's show. Let's just rewatch Dead Like Me. Yeah, let's watch <laughs> it Like Me again. Just forever, on repeat. So we don't have to watch the next season of Breaking Bad. Said no one ever. <laughs> um, no, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Can't wait. Me too. I would watch it right now if I didn't yeah, me too. have other responsibilities. <laughs> um, okay, so final score and ranking. I'm going to give this a... 4.5 out of 5. Me too. I'm going to give it a full on 5. Yeah. But I loved it overall. I really liked it. My criticisms are minor. Mm-hmm. They are very yeah. nitpicky. Yeah, because I have criticisms, I'm not going to give it a 5. I think a 5 um, can exist with criticisms, but they... But they uh, yeah, that's true. But um, but I'm... Yeah, I'm feeling a 4.5. Like you said, you felt episode 2 was a little bit slow. Yeah. You know, there are still some wonky, goofy things mm-hmm. here that I look at and go... Mm. Yeah. But overall... Absolutely loving it. Yeah. And and like I'm giving I, it a very enthusiastic 4.5 because I feel like it's just going to get better and better and I feel like there's just going to be fives all over the joint. So I'm like excited to give well, a there's five. Only, there's only two more seasons. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I know that, which is amazing. You don't want to give a five in case you have to give a 5.5. <laughs> no, I just consistently give fives. Okay. But I just think now that they really know what they're doing, who they are as – a show yeah I, I i just can only see improvements that may not be the case but that's that's what i think is going to happen so sure. i'm very excited about that and that's so i think i've gone from three to four to four point five mm. so this is i'm ranking this one number one yeah then then season two then season one in that order right i can't remember what i've given i, I, th- I think you gave it a, a four four point five i think i gave it a four last time yeah, i can't remember um yeah so there we go you want to say anything else? I've got nothing else to say. My brain is fried. And I just <laughs> want to watch more, to be honest. All right. So that's us wrapping up season three of Breaking Bad. What a journey. What a ride. And still so much more to go. I know. Well, we're over halfway, though. That is, so. I was thinking that. Yeah, we yeah. are uh, Yeah, on the way down the hill now, which is mm. interesting. So if you want to contact us, um, have a little chat about Season 3 of Breaking Bad, give suggestions, whatever it might be, you can contact us on Facebook at Hunting Seasons or on Twitter at Hunting's Cast or Hunting S Cast, however you want to type that in. 
or at email at huntingseasonpodcast at gmail.com. Hunting seasons, just to be... All right, a, all right. Sorry, <laughs> they missed the S. We'll go to some... Who I, don't, knows? I don't care about your... That, who uses email? What's going hunting on? hunting season podcast. I don't all want right. that cheap knockoff. Right. It's hunting seasons, seasons, plural, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can grab me on Twitter at Maskymo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Where can they grab you? At B Gordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S. Also, just like to thank... Sean Kirkpatrick, of course, as usual, for our wonderful logo and graphic design. You can find his work at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net and also thank Jordan Calavis, who created our wonderful theme song. You can find him at soundcloud.com slash classicjrex. That's classic J-R-E-X. Wonderful. And Broderick, do you want to talk about the next show we're going to be doing? Because I know it's one of your favourites. So we're changing categories for... We've gone from Dead Like Me, which is from our cancelled category. So in our off-main brand sort of um, episodes, our next one's going to be about... Not a recommendation, but a... Rewatch. Rewatch mm-hmm. of uh, a show that I'm particularly enthusiastic about. <laughs> um, we're going to be starting by talking, watching and talking about season one of Avatar, The Last Airbender. Yeah. Which I freaking love, and I will. It's an it's a Nickelodeon animated show, yeah. um, not an anime. It's got anime like qualities, but it's an American mm-hmm. show, therefore not an anime, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. I've, I've kind of always thought of it as like an American homage to anime. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's an American cartoon that's mm-hmm. with very anime type stylings. Yeah. Um, that I this is my statement. I highly recommend everyone goes and watches this season and gets to talk about it with us. I think it is. Better than Star Wars. That's my thing, right? I love... I'm talking Star Wars episode 4, 5, and 6. The original trilogy, classic trilogy. I think this is better than the original trilogy of Star Wars. That is how much I love Avatar. Mm. I can't wait to talk about it. Well, yes, because this is in our rewatch category, which means both Broad and I have seen it. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched it because my dear friend Broad wouldn't shut up about it and <laughs> <laughs> was like you need to watch this show you need to watch it so i did um took me a little while to get into it but it's an incredible show and i completely agree with his sentiments that you if you know if you've got the time you really need to sit down and watch this show it's not that bad a season is 20 episodes from memory but those episodes are like 22 minutes long yeah. so like that's 10 breaking bad episodes that's let that's it's going to be Less commitment than Breaking Bad was this season. Yes. And a lot less than Dead Like Me because it'll go by in the flash of an eye. <laughs> and I just needed to talk about something that wasn't going to destroy my soul like Dead Like Me did. So that's why we're doing this one next. That's right. All right. That's it from us. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, hopefully catch you next week. Bye. Bye, guys. And girls. And those in between. Love you all. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.